You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Coming to you from Magnified Cemeteries, Magnified Pod presents Magnified Pod, a nostalgic sampling of horror punk albums from the Christian alternative scene. Join us in the pits of hell. I'm Andrew. And I'm John Pau. <laughs> yeah, I guess I forgot to say that I'm Count Andrew this time. That's right. <laughs> I'm Count Andrew. And I'm John Powuter. <laughs> <laughs> this is our podcast. That's our food line. You know what? I didn't even say that's our food line last week because we got all caught up in, in our new names that we were I think just... we said that's our food wolfman or something like that. <laughs> Did we? I feel like we acknowledged it in some way. Did we? I, I didn't even, I don't remember. You <laughs> think I remember, you think I remember last week? Um, no, never, never. Oh my God. That is <laughs> presumptuous of you. Hmm. So we have one Magnifrite pod episode under our belts. Boom. Uh, we've gotten some, some feedback. We've gotten some... We might need we might need to discuss a little bit about the the explanation card from uh-huh. Deadlines album, which sure. it was more of a bummer than I was anticipating. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. <laughs> I, I thought it was just, like Caleb in our in our Discord was like saying something like, "I wish there was at least one explanation." <laughs> it was like this song's about zombies, and that's right. okay because it's okay to just have something fun yeah i think but, there's maybe one of those but yeah for the most the, part it's a bummer the vegicide one is a bummer yeah all of it truly just... confirms all of our worst suspicions about that song and more so yeah it all sucks <laughs> but you know what doesn't suck john what's that seasonal beers <laughs> true for this spooky spooky season mm, so what you got over there i have a tin whiskers brewing company Ooh. Um, St. Paul, Minnesota, for the real heads out there know about the uh, about the Tin Whiskers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a it's got a little robot on there. Oh uh, yeah. I don't I don't know. Maybe it's a a, a love bot or <laughs> it could be. <laughs> um, but hope he doesn't uh, take his revenge. <laughs> but so this is a Schottky pumpkin ale with real pumpkin. Mm. They 6.6 ABV. Um, I don't normally um, do pumpkin ales, but um, I'm I'm curious. I'm I'm curious after your your imperial one that you had last week. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But this has a uh, the a headless horseman, but the the horseman is a robot. Yeah, that's cool as hell. (laughs) Holding his pumpkin Uh, head. Producer Jason would appreciate that. Yes. yeah, I mean, pumpkin beers are, are a classic weird beer uh, contender. 
And so, as you know, my, my motivation behind beer choices is not so much like, I know I like this, but like, well, I got to try that, that thing. Um, so real mixed bag in terms of how well they go for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, last week was, was an interesting one this week. Got another interesting one. Yes. Uh, when we were in Michigan, as I had mentioned, uh, one of the breweries we hit up was Beer Church Brewing Company, uh, which is in a former church. And I picked up a crowler of mm. their Hammer of the Gourds. Um, <laughs> I love pumpkin, it. Pumpkin pie ale. Ooh. Uh, let, me, let me read you their description here. Okay. Our pumpkin pie ale anticipates blues, metal, folk, and dessert beverages simultaneously while winking at grandma and her pumpkin pie that would always announce the beginning of rock. Brown sugar, lactose, spices, and real pumpkin. Uh, and it gets cut off, but <laughs> there's real pumpkin in there. Uh, lactose, which you know I'm not always into, and I know you are not <laughs> drinking, but right. let's give this guy a shot. Let's see. Yeah, can we give this guy a shot too? That, that's pretty good. It's very sweet, which is maybe the lactose part of it. I'm not sure where I land on this. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I feel about a lot of pumpkin beers. Yeah, I don't. It's just it's not normally my my lane. So yeah. I'm I'm trying to, to I'm trying to adjust my taste buds. Sure. Uh, accordingly, but yeah, you know, I last week I texted you a picture from a, a local brewery mm -hmm. and it was a like a barrel aged cherry sour yeah that's not wonderful oh bro like <laughs> i so i it was another one of those things where i'm like i had to i was so caught off guard by like uh the the wood it, there was so much wood ha was imparted into the beer I was just like, I was so caught off guard by how woody it, it actually was, but I yeah. was so into it. And I'm like, this is a John Potter weird beer. <laughs> yeah. You know, just like a woody cherry sour just sounds. sounds <laughs> that's up like, that's like Johnny P beer bingo right there. Mm. Um, yeah. This has a, so it's, this is weird because it's like, it's not sweet. Mm. So there's like, it doesn't really have like a bitterness to it either there's no like yeah it's a low it's a low bitterness low ibu mm -hmm. um but it also doesn't have like like it's not like a spicy beer either sure interesting so i'm trying to like figure out what it actually tastes like because it yeah. doesn't really taste like much which is kind of weird yeah this is my second week in a row that it's more like pumpkan pie focused which, you know, we had speculated there's a lot of pumpkin spice beers out there. Right. So maybe it's more of that kind of thing. But both of us are drinking beer with actual pumpkin in it tonight, it sounds like. Um, yes. I don't know. Pumpkin beers, mixed bag, fun. Yes. I will always try one, even if they don't always connect for me. Um, yeah. Speaking of Michigan beers, my favorite pumpkin beer that I can think of, or at least one of my favorites, is uh, New Holland Brewing Company's Ooh, yes. Ichabod Ale. Ooh. Um, which is great. And I feel like I used to get it all the time and maybe they're like less available now, but that I feel like has a really nice balance uh, for a pumpkin beer. So anyway, one of the, one of the all timers, um, is this, is this new Holland is dragon's milk, new Holland. Yeah, it is. Oh, so God. good. An all timer. 
Yeah. So talk about bourbony barrel taste. Oh my god, that's so good. Yeah. So delicious. Um, I I will I will stand that beer forever. Absolutely. Um, Speaking of speaking of beers, Hmm. John, uh, I don't know if you have ever had the opportunity to go to a beer dabbler. I don't think so. In the Twin Cities. No. uh, Held at the fairgrounds um my first one was 2018 during okay. it was like during february i came up here to visit and me and my brother and mark hack went to to the beer dabbler and it was like a full-on blizzard oh yeah and it was outstanding i was like this is the most minnesotan thing <laughs> i've ever done in my life yeah drinking beer and like just white out blizzard conditions. It was just, it was just so delightful, so fun. And I've wanted to go back to a, for for those of you who don't, it's, it's like over 160 breweries. You pay yeah. for it. You pay for a ticket. You go in, they, uh, give, you, they give you a glass and you can so just. So you, you dabble in different beers. Yes. I see. I yes, see. yes, yes. So you, you get this like maybe, uh, like four ounce, three or four ounce glass and you just go around and, you can yep. just drink as many places as you want, and it's great. But you know, prices of tickets have have gone up. I suppose when you get more breweries and more interest, that's bound to happen. Yeah, and um, especially since there really wasn't, you know, a lot of stuff was canceled last year, and yep. probably a lot of breweries have been hurting. Um, but as much as I would like to spend, like. 65 or 70 dollars on a ticket uh what me and uh my brothers and and mark and other friends have decided is you know what we're gonna do our own dabbler that money that we would maybe spend sure going out like we're not gonna spend that much necessarily on beer but each but like if we if we even if we did that'd be like a lot of good beer yeah and uh, we don't have to deal with the crowds and it wouldn't we wouldn't be standing outside in February. Yeah. But, so this weekend, um, Dave and Mark and Brian are coming over to my place. Man, and the rules. Host, I'm hosting my own dabbler. That's little, great. Little adult dude beer drinking slumber party at my place. <laughs> yes. FaceTime me. Yeah. Um, you got it. Yeah. Get your, own, get your own weird beer, John, and we can, okay. and we can yes. toast and pretend you're there. Maybe I'll wear like a necklace with like string cheese and pretzels hanging off it. <laughs> you, you see, see you people doing that at the, you know the uh, deal. The, you know the yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah. You gotta I've have, done your, the, have uh, your palate cleanser, have a little snack time. Absolutely. I've done the the Michigan Brewers Guild Winter Beer Fest a couple times, mm. which is a similar deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just the, I mean, the most again, another another classic Johnny Potter uh bingo card here, but like being outside in the snow and drinking all kinds of beers is like my dream come true. So um, someday we'll, we'll dabble know, together. Yes. This is, I called this uh, the first annual bro dabbler. Yes. So <laughs> make t-shirts, limited merch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can I, can I whip up some merch in the next two days? Yeah, probably. Everybody bring your own white undershirt and I'll, <laughs> I'll provide some Sharpies and stencils. Yeah, exactly get those like screen printing things we can just <laughs> bang them out um well you know what pairs nicely with seasonal drinks what's that john seasonal seasonal treats Ooh, some well, halloween candy 
Yes, I have my I have my my orange pumpkin bucket here. Uh huh. Um, but John, before we get to our shared candy, because uh-huh. we we are going to be doing the same candy this this week. I need yes. to shout out our girl Mickey, mm. because she texted me yesterday. She's like, "Are you home? I have something for you." And I was like, yeah, just come on over. And, you know, she's across the street now. So she just walked on over and she handed me a bag (laughs) of spooky bats and cats sour gummies from Trader Joe's. Coming through as always. I was so happy because as I had lamented on the previous episode, my local Trader Joe's did not have it. Yeah. But she goes to the Trader Joe's in Arden Hills and Ah, they had it. And right. so uh, shout out to the Arden Hills Trader Joe's for having the spooky bats and cats. Um, so, okay. Uh, What's your review? Yeah. So we, you, you reviewed them last week. Yeah. Um, I'm a green guy. I'm very into the green. Yeah. I think we got green and purple bats and then orange cats, right? That's what we said. Yeah. I don't think there's anything I just like. No, they're all good. I like the I like the purple sort of grape flavored ones and the orange caps are good. Yeah, I think that's my order: green, purple, orange. But I like them all. Wouldn't kick any of them out of the coffin. Oh, I don't know. But the orange pops a little bit more than the than the grape ones do. Sure. Yeah, I um, think that's true. I just don't like orange flavor as much as grape. I guess. I mean, you are grape daddy after all. I am. It's true. But I'm very happy with these. I will continue to snack on these throughout the month. As All right. have I and will I? Yes. But tonight, but it, Andrew. Yes. These Skittles. Got, these Skittles, bro. Are scary. They're not just any Skittles. And <laughs> no. this is not one of those bullshit Halloween things <laughs> where they just put a pumpkin Different on color the front. On or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they're not just like scary Skittles or whatever. <laughs> they're, Orange they're... box junior mints. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> The Oreos, they're orange in the middle. They taste the same. Um, Beware. So, so these are called Shriekers. Mm-hmm. And it's got what looks to be like some, maybe the Grim Reaper or something. Yeah. He's shrieking. It's a uh, it's a skeleton, like shrouded in some sort of a cloak and hood. Yes. And it says, beware, try if you dare. Some are so sour. They will make you shriek. Can't so wait. presumably, there are some that are sour, others that aren't. Yeah. But we need to read off the flavors because. Yeah. Um, so, orange appears to be citrus scream. Uh, lime is shocking lime. You got purple rattled raspberry. Uh, another orange here, spine tingling tangerine, and then another darker green, ghoulish green apple. Yes. That was pretty good. Yeah, shocking lime is um, leaves something to be desired, but you know, we couldn't we couldn't come up with anything that That's started right. with L. <laughs> yeah, I failed on brainstorming <laughs> about that one. Um all right, let's see what we got here. Yeah. Oh, here's the thing. They just look like regular Skittles. Mm. So there's no like there's nothing sour on the outside, it's just a regular shellacked looking skittle so which color you want to try first john uh i want to try this uh ghoulish green apple all right what's this one dark dark, green darker green just tastes like green not 
Not particularly sour. No, that's the thing, bro. I don't think all of them are going to be. Oh, okay. So that's how they get you. They kind of mm-hmm. trick you. Uh, I'm going to try this purple one. Come on, purple. Oh, that's a regular purple name. Well, it's kind of so- fun that you got to keep trying them until you yeah. stumble upon a scary one. I think I'm tasting some that are sour. Well, they're not I'm making not- me shriek. They're not making me shriek. They are sour. Some of these are sour. They're tasty. Mm-hmm. All right. What about um, shocking lime? Let's see if we get shocked. I mean, that that does taste sour. I, I kind of thought they'd be like, punch in you fantasy. in the face. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not that vibe. All right. What haven't we done? We haven't done They're tangerine. Good, they are really good. I'm into them. Spine tingling tangerine. You can't tell if that's sour or not. That's fine. <laughs> this one is sour. I really like, yeah. I like these. No, they're really good. Into them. They're not. I think if you're not accustomed to sure. sour things or you're not expecting it in a Skittle. Yeah. Like, oh, this is a little surprising, but. If you put them all in a bowl and you thought you were just getting regular Skittles, but then was sour. Yeah. You'd shriek. You'd scream. It'd be terrifying. I think they were amped up a little bit too much. For me. <laughs> <laughs> so sour, you'll fucking die. <laughs> um, They are good, though. I like them. Yeah. I was, I, something. I think that citrus cream was just sour. Was, yeah. Very good. Um, I guess the fun is that you will be surprised. But yeah, as far as intensity, very low. But um, in reality, I mean, I would have been just okay if they got rid of the gimmick and just made them all sour. <laughs> yeah, right. On the other hand. Next, next to the sour ones, mm-hmm. you're like, oh. Right. This just tastes sort of like subdued and bland. Right, yeah. Definitely not as sour as the proper sour Skittles. On the other hand, this one has a shrieking skull on the cover of it, so that I can't true. not support that. <laughs> um, yeah, these are tasty. Shriekers. Um, hey. Go to your uh, local, local Walgreens. Um, Fortunately, we already know. Mars Wrigley. Supportive of our projects, our, our important work, but not going to give us any free ones. Um, maybe, I mean, there's a phone number, 800 number on here. Give them a call. Give them a call. Leave us right. a voicemail. Leave them a voicemail. Say the streets are talking. The people Street. demand sponsorship. Yep. I mean, come on, Mars. Like, we've... What's it, what's it going to take? Yeah. Like, we're out here ripping your products. Yep. I'm going to eat these all episode long. So, yeah. Get ready, I... people with misophonia. <laughs> Bro, I also... Um, I have some other sour candies that mm, what you got I'm, I'm i'm not gonna reveal it until all right good, good. until the next episodes because uh till the next episode <laughs> that was dr dre hey, hey, hey. Eat um, skittles every day <laughs> get get shriekers if you dare i don't know um citrus scream i had a couple of sour ones of those and that's surprisingly quite tasty all right well these are a hit mm-hmm we got our pumpkin beer. We got our shriekers. Mm. What goes well with those lovely treats, but some some spooky discussion? Yes. Last week we covered some of our first scary movie experiences. Right. Uh, this week maybe we could talk about some of our favorites. Now, yes. you're yes. not a big spooky <laughs> movie enthusiast. No, 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 I am not. But you are a fan of you know spoopy adjacent properties i am that is big true. buffy guy big buffy guy i've been bu- you like some spooky music i do um so. i do like the spooky imagery 
Yeah. That's the, that's the thing. As I was saying last week, I like things that are spooky, paranormal, things that are creepy, but I don't like, I don't, I don't seek out violence and slashers, which is why, yeah. as I mentioned, that Scream being one of my first. Right. It's kind of, you know, a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And then I remember that after, you know, I mentioned like the one of the other movies that I had seen was a Wes Craven movie. It was New Nightmare. Do you remember that yeah, one? That's yeah. One of one of the better nightmare entries. Yeah. And I looked it up and I'm like, oh, this seems to be kind of well liked, like well reviewed yeah. that people liked it. I mean, I think it's because it was like self-aware. Like, yeah, it was because, like, like a the, the, proto the, scream. Yeah. Well, yeah. And because the the actors who were in the prior properties are in this movies as themselves. Right. right, right. You know, so it's sort of meta in that way. I think it's the same screenwriter as Scream too. Oh, Kevin is it? Williamson. So okay, okay. Well, that makes that makes sense. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was those those movies were not my jam when I was a child. Sure. <laughs> but but I yeah I got into Buffy uh post buffy being on and got really into that got into angel um just got into a lot of whedon properties at the time of mm-hmm. you know when i started watching buffy and um you know joss whedon is problematic in a number of ways mm-hmm. and um I mean, Buffy the show itself has problematic in, in a number of ways, but sure. um, I do still like a lot about the show. You remember that that scene in Parks and Rec when you know Ben's like was having you know Donna was like, "What what's gotten you all upset? Did they cancel Game of Thrones?" And he's like, "It's like no." He's like, just do your work. And they would never cancel Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's like, it's a, it's not just for fantasy enthusiasts. They're telling human <laughs> stories in a fantasy world. Oh, I love that you said that verbatim. <laughs> it's like, and, you know, that's, that's kind of the, what I liked about Buffy is that it was, yeah. they were t- telling, it wasn't just about vampires and the monster of the week. You know, there was, there was more about the relationships and the character development that I appreciate. I appreciate yep. it. And, and looking at characters like Spike, who was this like villain in mm-hmm. one of the seasons when he was introduced, but like he continued to grow and became eventually kind of became one of the good guys. And mm-hmm. um, despite some of more troubling aspects to his character, but, you know, realizing that he is a, uh, vampire and doesn't have a soul and you know but anyway i uh big spike fan pro spike um and i'm other i'm also curious about whether if there are any other listeners out there who are buffy fans and um there have to be there's i know be. uh our dude brian camber is definitely a oh, buffy yeah, yeah, head. Yeah. um i would like to say two things number one i just had a sour or a shrieker rattled raspberry and that was very tasty so be on the lookout for those number two you know the paranormal thing yeah uh in keeping with what you said about your brother brian shouting out x-files last week x-files huge for me 
love the X-Files, love paranormal stuff. And, you know, related to some of the themes we'll get into with this week's record, uh, some of my favorite stuff about that is not necessarily that it's spooky, although I like that, but it's that it's asking these big questions about faith and science and how the two relate. And I've always really appreciated how thoughtfully they took that on until they got kind of swallowed up by their mythology. But um, I like when a, when a property asks interesting questions of, uh, of this uh, human experience. So, (laughs) um, (laughs) but well said, said. thank you. you. Um, As far as, as far as some of your favorites of all time though, I'll give you a second to think about what spooky stuff is connected with you most, but I'm going to go movies. You know, I love films. Yes. Um, And I don't have anything particularly revelatory to say here, but the shining is my favorite horror movie of all time. Mm. I'm a basic B. Give me that pumpkin spice latte. Give me that shining. (laughs) But uh, Stanley Kubrick is probably my favorite filmmaker of all time. And so to see someone whose filmmaking I find so interesting apply that to a horror movie like that can't not be my favorite horror movie the way that he moves the camera the way that he uses composition um for scary purposes just work so well for me so it's yeah been my favorite since I was a teenager uh but there's a million other ones exorcist another basic answer but very very high up there for me I think again because it was one of those kind of few movies I remember seeing in high school in the theater when they did like the re-release and then like sort of debating theology out on the sidewalk with my friends afterwards. Like, I feel like it's asking some big, Mm. interesting faithy questions. Um, As we said last week, big fan of the original universal monster movies. I think Dracula is my favorite of them. Still a favorite. Uh, Suspiria, the Dario Argento movie. There's a lot of, uh, giallo and italian horror movies i love but that one i think wins because of its use of color in particular i've talked about this movie before on the pod but the band goblin does the soundtrack which is incredible i saw them play live the soundtrack during a screening of the uh the, the movie uh several years ago and that was wonderful um some other favorites the devil's backbone guillermo del toro is one of my favorite directors that's my favorite of his again sort of like asking these questions it's a ghost story it's like a you know my favorite kinds of horror stories are when they're sort of like telling a story of a particular people or cultural moments and Mm. like it's about um you know a a civil war essentially and it's like a war story a story of trauma but it happens to use a ghost story as sort of the backdrop for it Mm. um candy man i've talked about plenty of times on the pod uh don't look now from the 70s i think sort of a perfect uh movie um what else john carpenter's the fog i love john carpenter probably my favorite movie of his it's about you know ghost pirates so you can't go wrong there uh the the innocence have you the thing very very high up there for me i think the fog wins out for me for carpenter just because it's about ghosts which are my preferred (laughs) mode um you know i love alien creatures destroying us uh but gotta go with the ghosts and then um only other one i'll shout out uh the innocence one of my favorites um early 60s black and white adaptation of uh 
turn of the screw and just like super spooky. And again, kind of the use of the framing and how the ghosts sort of appear in shots and you're not sure if it's a ghost or not. Love that kind of stuff. So those are some of my very faves. Did you ever, have we talked about Eraserhead before? I don't think so, but hey, big Lynch guy. I know you're big Lynch head and I've, I've heard, you know, looking through some like of the highest rated horror movies of all time. I, mm-hmm. um, I know that uh, evidently Eraserhead is supposed to be a fairly troubling, yeah, <laughs> yes, very bizarre movie. I've never, I've never seen it. Um, Can confirm. Yeah, uh, wrestling with what it means to be a new parent, essentially. Cool, super cool. <laughs> What if your baby was a little worm monster also? Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there, I mean, there's just so many of these movies that I haven't seen. And like a lot of them are movies that I've seen once sure. and have never revisited ever. Yeah, a lot of them like, are on DVD and I have them if you want to borrow them. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, uh, Scream, as I've said, um, mm. Blair Witch, um, uh, Cabin in the Woods. Speaking of, yep, Joss. Um, Joss. I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street. I think I've maybe seen some Halloween. First Halloween movies. is fantastic. There's some that interest me that I'm curious about, like an American Werewolf in London. I I'm curious mm. about that primarily because of the, like some of the practical effects that they do. The I best feel of like the best. I feel like that's kind of like what would draw me to even be interested yes. in so checking cool. that out. Oh, Shaun of the Dead. Um, Great one. You know, there are zombie movies. I've seen some other some other zombie movies, but uh, yeah. yeah, man, it's just, it's it's not one of those things. Like there are other movies that I just return to a lot sure. and I'm just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to say. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't like being scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's something for some people that they like to get that adrenaline. Know, get that adrenaline going. What about um rides? Where do you stand on theme park rides? Um, I'm pro. I okay. mean, I haven't I haven't been on a roller coaster in many, many years. Yeah. Uh, but I remember when I lived in the Chicago area as a kid, we would go to Six Flags Great America. Mm-hmm. And hit up the uh, hit up the Batman ride. Hell yeah! Um, <laughs> giant drop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that Batman ride that was like at the time was like the shit because yeah. you were you know you had your your legs dangling right right and, and it's like and there's a Batman logo on the side so yeah <laughs> it's Batman so like, yeah but also the what I liked about it is that they you weren't just like standing in line. You were, they created this sort of yeah. environment that felt like you're like Love you're that. in Gotham city, yeah, like lots that's... of fog and, and, yeah. and like, yeah. Sort of See, noir kind of setting. My, I don't like rides and I'm scared of heights. And so I, I think there's something to this. I think most people do like rides and don't have a problem with heights. Um, but maybe don't like scary movies. Like it's flopped for me. Maybe mm. there's, I think there's some sort of, everyone likes some sort of adrenaline. And maybe I like scary 
movies and books and theater and stuff because I can kind of like control it or something. Um, yeah. I like storytelling and I like to be scared. So I like to be scared by stories, but if it's like, I can't control a roller coaster. So that truly scares me and I don't need that kind of scaring, but I know it's swapped for a lot of people, but yeah, my favorite part about theme parks is standing in the queues. And if they have like <laughs> worlds built out, that's the best part for me. Um, which is like, basically, you know, uh, you know, theater or like, right. That's the kind of stuff that I'm into, like being immersed in those worlds. Speaking of which, I think I talked about spooky puppets last week, maybe, <laughs> or maybe that was just off mic. Um, but I'm planning on going to see this theater company, uh, Rough House Theater in Chicago. They do, they do spooky puppet stuff, and uh, they're doing this one this year, um, where you like put on headphones and like go up to a peephole and observe different spooky puppet scenarios behind these different windows. And I'm like, that's the kind of shit that sounds cool to me. <laughs> you you have talked about spooky puppets primarily in relation to the new Candyman trailer. Oh yes. Is this the yeah. same is this the same group? No, that's uh that's manual <laughs> cinema. That's Look, another, I got my, my hands in a lot puppet. of different spooky puppet pots, okay? Um yeah this this show is called House of the Exquisite Corpse. Uh <laughs> the all new immersive anthology of horror told through peep show puppetry. So uh, see you there. Um, that, that is, oh my God. <laughs> I'll probably go by myself, which makes it even more horrifying. Yeah. I, there, when some things like this where I'm like, oh God, it's like the most John Potter thing <laughs> of all time next to, next to like going to a drive-in theater and like watching a double feature of like by myself Batman or something by yourself. Oh like, yeah. That's just here for it. I'm here for that John Potter experience. I'm here for that, that, that John Potter joy boy experience. You know, it's a, it's a solitary adventure <laughs> much of the time, <laughs> but uh, it's, it is a joyful one. Yeah. I'm, I, I haven't gone to a movie in so long. I'm, I, they're just, I haven't been in like, what was the last movie I went to? I don't even remember, but I would love to go to a drive-in, but so fun. I feel like, I feel like the, the, the window is rapidly closing for yeah. that here. Usually October is the last month and they put a bunch of scary movies there. So um, I might need to do it. I might need to do it. See what, see what they got playing at the, at the Valley high at the Valley high. Uh, drive -in. Place. Yeah. Yeah, man. Check it out. Yeah, bro. Um, so we have some voicemails that we mm. we've got to get to. So we have voicemail line 8727624763 8727magpod voicemail from our dude Brian Cambra. Okay, Rumbling again. So once again I am recording this fellow while driving. I will say, in regards to my car, my car is a crap. It's held together by some firmly placed black and white checkered duct tape. Yes. Uh, which I think makes it scarific. Uh, and uh, it's sort of the Rudy mobile, I guess. Yeah, so let's get let's get to it. I am not uh, a scary 
I, I guess I should say who I am. First of all, this is Brian, the, the real life Brian. Um, I am not a scary movie kind of person, which is funny because when I started reading, I really got started reading through. Uh, first of all, there were some books that were kind of like the Hardy Boys, but they were Alfred Hitchcock and the Three Investigators. Yes, so it was like cool. the Hardy Boys, but creepy and supernatural. And I loved it. And then I read a ton of the R.L. Stein Fear Street books. Yes. And the Christopher yep. Pike books. I was really into those scary books in like elementary school. And Stephen King. I read a lot of Stephen King when I was in elementary school. Whoa. <laughs> and then I became a Christian in eighth grade. And I was like, oh, no more of that evil nonsense. Oh, no. I must live a life of holiness and oh, purity. No. And so I did not, did not partake of any of that stuff anymore. Um, and so now when I see movies that are remotely scary, I am a giant chicken. And I, uh, my friends make fun of me a lot. Uh, I remember going to the movies to see one of the Resident Evil movies, and there was like a jump scare, and I jumped really high, and my friend laughed so hard, and made fun of me for probably three weeks after that. So not as fun for me now. I will still watch stuff from time to time. I watched all three of the Fear Street movies. And I, uh, I will also say that um, when I was a, a young lad, a wee, a wee lad, um, <laughs> some of my favorite memories, though, were Halloween-related. So my dad, um, he was in a drunk driving accident when I was in fourth grade. But prior, prior to that, um, one picture that I love of us together is he took me trick-or-treating on his motorcycle. My other sister, my sister who was still of age to trick-or-treat was sick. And so I collected for me and for her. And he rode his motorcycle with like a zombie mask on the entire time. <laughs> and I was Dracula and my cape was billowing in the wind behind the yeah. uh, motorcycle. <laughs> love that. Yeah. Uh, in addition... Uh, two more very quick Halloween uh, stories, and man, I hope this doesn't go on too long. But uh, one is, I went to a haunted house at Six Flags that was uh, it was themed around like all the haunted, you know, the scary characters from movies. So it was like Freddy and Jason and Michael Myers and all that. And I was terrified all the way through it. I, was, I mean, I was probably like six. I was terrified all the way through it. And when I got to the end, I was like, yes, I made it. I can see the end. And then the Chainsaw Massacre jumped out, and I kicked that guy in the leg like six times. <laughs> oh, my God. And I feel bad now, knowing it was probably just some high school kid who was ordered to be there. Also, around the time uh, Nightmare on Elm Street came out, we went trick-or-treating in our neighborhood, and there was someone who was dressed like Freddy, and it was, like, so good that I peed my pants. And then we went home. <laughs> so, oh. That's my that's my Halloween stories. Uh, keep keep the spookiness coming. I dig it. No magpie for life. That's okay, Brian. That's all right. Uh, we'll, we'll let it slide. We'll <laughs> let it slide because you you shared one of the most embarrassing stories. You um, know, I've never been so scared that I've peed my pants. I don't think. I hope to never be. But uh, no, no, me neither. But I want to say that I I resonate with Brian a lot because. We're very similar because I too grew up reading uh, Goosebumps and scary stories to tell in the dark. Of course. And uh, some other 
I remember reading other weird paranormal, like mm-hmm. alien stuff and cool. Yeah. And I don't know. I didn't have a shift where I felt convicted because I was like, Oh, I'm a Christian. I can't read that anymore. I think probably what happened is I was traumatized by scary movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just like, was like, Nope, this, this is not for me because I don't yeah. like, I don't think I'd seen anything like that before. And you know, Right. Seeing Drew Barrymore eviscerated hanging from a tree, you're just like, like, oh, oh, America's sweetheart, Drew Barrymore. She's surely (laughs) the star of this movie. Wait a second. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. She's on the cover. She's going to be in the. Oh, man, she's dead. Okay, so good. Um, So good. (laughs) I love we just talk about Drew Barrymore for a second. I love one of my one of my early most powerful crushes. (laughs) Did you still still today? Did you ever watch on Netflix Santa Clarita Diet? No, but you know, it's about zombies. So it's very up my alley. I'd like to eventually. I, so I got into that. I'm like this, it's, it's one of those, it's one of those shows that I was by, by name alone. I was like, this is dumb. This is, this is dumb. And then I watched it and I got super into it. Yeah. And then they canceled it. Yeah. It's too bad. Um, and like they, they, where they left it on a cliffhanger at the end of like the last season, I'm like, oh. it is such a disservice to the show. Yeah. Maybe it's, they'll come back into a movie or yeah, something. It sucks when they do that. Yeah. You know, like it, at least give them an opportunity to wrap it up. Like if you don't want to do a full season, let them like do six episodes or something. Yeah. 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 Like you just, you can't do that to fans over and over and over again. Yeah. It just it sucks, and it's it's one of those it's one of those shows where you're like, it it has that same sort of vibe as Breaking Bad, where you're like, some these people have a secret, things mm-hmm. keep escalating, you know, right. things keep getting more out of control. When will something break, and when will people find out? And you know, yeah. it's just like one of those shows where there's always like, it's 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 also sort of like um the the show with christina applegate and right right and um dead like me dead to me yeah dead to me yeah yeah just like one of those things that just like keeps getting more yeah yeah. more more amped up so that's how netflix gets you yeah i know guess i gotta watch the next one now um yes brian thank you for sharing your spooky memories uh folks please keep them coming in uh i'm with you on the yeah man i remember just like devouring in elementary school like youth spooky detective stories Mm -hmm. that shit was awesome Mm -hmm. there was some cool like you know junior high detective and there were maybe there was some vampires or something going on in the schoolyard and you got to figure out what's going on uh that kind of stuff was was very much for me so yeah i get it how could how can we how can we forget too john Mm. are you afraid of the dark can't forget it I mean, this is another another one of those like um, shows that I was like at first. I'm like, I am not into this. I, I <laughs> too scary. Yeah, it, it, like when it first came out. Yeah. Um, that intro is freaky. Yes. So it was the first. It was the very early Snick. It was like one of the first. Mm-hmm shows and i i remember that i would need to turn it off 
Yeah. You know, before, no, thank you. Before it started, because I was like, oh no, this is too, this is too spooky. Uh -huh. And I was like, ooh, baby. Yeah. See, even that sound is like, oh shit. Good stuff. So it's good. so fucking good, man. I remember there was, like there was a point where I turned and I was like, I'm so into this. Yeah. And, yeah, I, got, yeah. and I got really, really into it. I remember thinking like, I, I guess I was young enough at that point that I, I was into it, but I was like, this is making me a little, a little uncomfortable. <laughs> like I remember being surprised at just how scary that intro was when Snick premiered. And I was like, yeah. oh shit, they're going yeah. for it. So yeah, the rocking boat Ugh. in the water and it's all very good laughing children and a clown it's just like yeah <laughs> like the the sort of that like bluish tint to everything mm -hmm. it's just mm -hmm. it's all great submitted for the approval of my midnight society i don't Here know for it. <laughs> we we call this podcast <laughs> magnif the tale of magnifrite pod tale and of the two hosts who wouldn't <laughs> stop talking <laughs> 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 yep um all right we got a got any stairs hello my dude this is your boy <laughs> danny stairs <laughs> that's good yeah, great that's episode, good. guys um first off i gotta say i'm sorely disappointed in andrew for his performance in the game wow after john knocked it out of the fucking park last week wow with his perfect score andrew follows that up by dropping a turd um, at least he didn't get, you know, he didn't get the shutout at least, but still, Andrew, come on, man. You gotta, you gotta show Pod Daddy John that, uh, that you can play the game too. Mm. Anyhow, um, speaking of the deadlines now, um, this was fun. I, I was, came into it a little wary. Uh, I certainly don't think I ever heard of these guys. If I did, they went, you know, they, they didn't leave any lasting impression on me that I remember them. Um, but the music was fun. Um, I definitely agree with you guys that it would be more of a, I'd love to see a live show and get the whole spectacle rather than listen to this album. Um, I'll probably never listen to it again, but that doesn't mean it was bad. As you know, I just don't listen to a lot. But if they did like a reunion show and they were going to do the whole, I don't know, maybe they'd do too much of the glam rock, but, you know, get, get that early uh, aesthetic back and, and have people fake murdered in the crowd, I would be so down for this. Uh, exciting adventure, um, and I am yes. glad, like like you guys said, that there's just this little spot in the scene where we did this fun experiment. Um, and so, um, I thank you guys for bringing this one to light. I never would have ever known this even existed had you guys not covered it. So, thank you. Um, um, unlike my normal uh, approach, I'm going to give you my uh, review of songs as well. I'm going to say you guys identified probably the top four best songs. Um, I think John's was, I, I would go with John's top three, just because I liked the difference in his number three. A little bit more variation from from kind of the rest of the song, so, but lyrically kind of a bummer. Um, and finally, I wanted to comment on Vegicide. It sounded like it was going great until that uh, abortion thing, and then it really let me down. So um, that's going to be a low point in the record for me. Um, not going to make my playlist for sure. So anyhow, great job, guys. 
Uh, Magpie for death, toodaloo, motherfuckers. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Thank Danny. you. <laughs> yeah, we need to we need to talk a little bit more in depth about <laughs> these these songs because mm-hmm. Nick Weber uh, sent in the explainer cards included uh-huh. in the Christian bookstore version of the deadlines. And I don't know if this is genuine or not. I don't know if this was like to appease the Christian bookstores, if they're like, sure, we'll make this shit up just to like appease the Christian bookstores. Right. But some of these are such a stretch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're such bummers. Yeah, this sucks. Like, like stop quoting Romans <laughs> and like Thessalonians, like just calm down. Yeah. It can just be about going to the graveyard. Like, right. Like, uh, go go to the graveyard. This song's a story that uses the example of zombies as, a, as the sinful world enticing you to come to their way, but th- their way leads to death and the graveyard. Again, expounding on the dangers of sin in the world, pulling from Romans 12, 2, and do not be conformed to the... God, shut up. Pretty much every song is about like, the world tries to pull you in with its sin, yeah. but you have to look away from it. And like, yeah, like we said last week, just, I don't know where the sort of line of genuineness and manipulation is, but like, if you want to be spooky, just be spooky. Yeah. You, if you want to have some elements of like, you see Jesus as, a, you know, a, a resurrector and all that, that's great. But like the fact that every single song, it actually made me be more like, I wasn't sure where they really stood with like, was this actually their intention or not? But reading all these, I'm like, if this really was what you meant to do with each of these songs and like, I feel much more sour about the whole thing. Yeah. Um, Can we talk about uh, their explanation of their explanation of horrible night? Yes. And then we got to get to Vegicide too. (laughs) Okay. Well, horrible night is a story of a man waking up in the middle of the night only to realize he has completely drifted away from God. <laughs> and he yearns to get that relationship back. And the only way to do that is to repent. Mm. Spooky. <sighs> oh, spooky. Yeah, that sounds like a stretch. That sounds like a chick track right there. Yeah, it is. Um, he wakes so we... up in the middle of the night. Like, <sighs> oh, I must have oh, drifted no, away from God. Oh, no, God. Oh, I'm terrified. Um. It was a horrible night to drift away from God. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we speculated on how we knew that Vegicide was a bummer. We opened up the box slash the coffin on it. Um, but we, we were speculating, like, how much is this truly a bummer? Well, according to this, an even bigger <laughs> bummer than maybe we feared. It says uh, a humorous look at having a nightmare about flesh eating vegetables brought on by unbelieving vegans hell-bent on converting the rest of the world to their sometimes contradictory beliefs. Boo. <laughs> that sucks. That sucks. Yes, there can be very preachy vegans. Let's not let's not talk about contradictory beliefs here, bro. <laughs> yeah, you're the zombie saying everything's about, you know, straying from Jesus or whatever. Yeah, this is this is just such a like and like we said, the song had so much potential. Flesh eating vegetables, like that is a that's a great concept. Yeah. But but it's brought on by unbelieving vegans. Like <laughs> what are you like talking these, about? This, this in their minds, like vegans equal 
yeah. pro-choice atheists. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you don't believe in God, then obviously you're a vegan and vice versa. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't, you can't be, you can't be a Christian and be a vegan and you no, can't not be possible. Ve- and you can't be a vegan and be pro-life, I guess. R- right. Right. Um, I, don't, but I don't know sh- what they're talking about. Shout out to our dude Riker who commented on our social post about this, uh, <laughs> that um, Unbelieving Vegans is a great name for a punk band. So that might just be our new horror punk band. Absolutely. Oh my God. The Unbelieving Vegans is just so, <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah. Take that deadlines. <laughs> yeah. We're going to, we're going to take your uh, a, a word, for, like a line from your explanation of your shittiest song. <laughs> and we're going to turn it into a real horror punk band. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and all of our songs are going to be like really gruesome and brutal, but then like we'll, or they'll, they'll, or, or they'll be all about Jesus. And then we'll talk about how they're actually gruesome and brutal. We'll just do, right. we'll just do the inverse. <laughs> the reverse. <laughs> yeah. When I said Jesus, what I meant was like when somebody meant- gets their head caved in. <laughs> Uh, when I I was talking about when I was talking about the resurrection of the body what I was actually talking about was decomposing corpses yeah just straight up zombies (laughs) nothing there's no metaphor there yeah Um, yes much more to talk about uh, with our album this week Mm -hmm. uh, as far as how uh, faith and horror lyrics uh, work together yes we'll get there we will get there Um, we have some we have some other voicemails um so this voicemail, we believe, is from Joel Hang Hartsey, if I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Um, for whatever reason, you the first voicemail that you left, it's completely silent and we there's nothing in there. So um, and your second voicemail is uh, we don't know the context to what you're talking about because you're referencing your first voicemail. So we're sorry, but we wanted to let you know that uh, we did get the voicemails, but we just can't hear them. So if you want to call back and leave us another voicemail and yeah, leave us another voicemail, <laughs> give us a voice memo. If you want uh, yeah. Joel, we're into your, we're into your writing. We like your online presence. So sorry about that, but, but hit us up again. Yes. All right. Um, see what we got here. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's coming. Phantom Cackler bringing in, you know, some instruments. Yeah, bringing in some uh, kind of a spooky score. Yeah, I. It almost is. It it almost is a little Halloween reminiscent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If I if I heard that in like the background of some scary movie, that's effective, man. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good little uh, hook there. uh, It's it's like if you took. The Halloween theme and mixed it with "Girls" by Beastie Boys. <laughs> yes, my I, my platonic ideal. Um, well done, Cackler. Well done. Uh, well, beautiful, done. beautiful piece of original music for the for the <laughs> Halloween season. Exactly. All right, 
we got a uh, we got our boy Danny Leary, a uh, fellow podcaster, uh, our logo designer for Magnifrite Pod, mm. friend of the pod, friend in in real life as well. <laughs> yes. Hey, this is Daniel Leary calling up to remind everybody to go to storenv.com and search out the special Magnified Pod spooky Magnified Pod. Spooky, special October-only merchandise. Yes, Go get it. that's it right. Beautiful. Yes, the designs, I must say, are amazing. <laughs> uh, yes. I was calling also about Blaster. Um, so, Blaster the Rocket Boy or Blaster the Rocket Man, whichever. They were. I love this band, and they were actually they would have been the second Christian band I ever got into because the first Christian album my mom ever bought me was the i'm your biggest fan comp and that's mm. how i discovered mxpx and then the second my second favorite song on that comp was um the i'm on the humanoid song by blaster on there so i'm like oh i've bought some mxpx records now i gotta go buy some blaster records well it turns out like in 1996 you can't find their records anywhere the christian bookstore didn't have it the regular record store didn't have it and even though the regular record store had mxpx so it took me years eventually um the monster that jesus came out and that's an amazing album it sounds way better than the earlier songs but i never ever got my hands on their first two records until the anatomy of a monster came out and it was one of the few things one of the few full-length albums i ever bought on itunes just because i had never been able to find those early blaster records uh, the only other things I ever bought in full on iTunes were like my friends' bands to like help with their numbers. It's the only album by, you know, a band in general that I ever bought um, on iTunes. But then one other thing I want to mention about the song Time Machine is that there is a, there's a They Might Be Giants reference in that song, like undeniably so. It's not like a coincidence. They use the melody of a line and the lyrics from a song called For Science by They Might Be Giants. It's at the end of the Time Machine song when you hear a female voice saying, you will be killed right away. That's lifted, I'm sure, directly as a, as a what do you call it, uh, uh, an interpolation of the They Might Be Giants song For Science. That song's also about like a mad scientist and aliens and like a sexy alien and stuff. Um, that's an amazing song. And when I was on uh, my friend's podcast, This Might Be a Podcast, I picked that song to be on one of the two episodes of his podcast I've been on, knowing a Christian band, Christian punk band, had referenced that They Might Be Giants song, and knowing I could tie that back to my podcast and, Chris, and MXPX memes and all that stuff. One of his longest episodes was that For Science episode, and it never came up. I completely forgot to mention it. So I failed as both of and as a They Might Be Giants fan, and as someone who can give a voicemail under three minutes. <laughs> and I forgot to end either of those voicemails with Magnapod, <laughs> Magnified Pod for Jazz. There yes, you go. Yes, thank you. Magnapod. Um, Magnapod, Magnified <laughs> Pod Board. Um, yes, thanks. we, thank you, Danny. We will get into. They might be giants. They, uh, science essentially covered in part uh, on the first song on, on this record, which we'll get into in the second part. So we'll, we'll get there. Um, it makes total sense to me that 
a big they might be giants fan like danny would also be into blaster they're 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 sort of simpatico bands in some ways but there are um, so many influences so many we'll get there band. soon <laughs> so many <laughs> they're it's scattershot that yeah. they're from song to song you're they just they switch it up so much and i find they it sure to do. be very interesting there's yes. not there's there it's they're pretty much the polar opposite of the deadlines where the deadlines <laughs> right. are like okay so what if this song we took the same keys and did that for this also yeah. this song and what if we also didn't switch up anything right and these guys are like i don't know like what if we had like spoken word sections and what if this song sort of like it's just let's have multiple genres within one song yes it's so wild it's so wild it is we will get there yeah um i also empathize with what he's saying about like uh being young and in the age of physical media being like i i can imagine hearing like a song from blaster or seeing a video or hearing about them being like how do i find these guys it's like this mythical thing and you can never get your hands on it which adds to the coolness um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but yes we should say we mentioned at the end of the last episode that we were going to talk anatomy of a monster which was sort of their post breakup um comp of earlier uh songs but we are in fact covering the monster who ate jesus um in part for the reasons that danny's saying about it being sort of the more well-known most kind of respected uh, record of theirs and also because it's like a third as long as anatomy of a monster so anyway that's the record we're covering today yes i'm i'm glad we're covering this record because i think it sounds great and yes. and the other one uh the anatomy of a monster or whatever whatever it was called just a lot more more of a compilation more of demos some live yeah. tracks it this raw sound yeah this is much more studio sound put together cohesive um and i overall really like what they do on this record yep uh had no idea who they were uh back in the day this season and this month covering them is my first time ever listening to a full album by the band same here so uh, I'm glad I was introduced to them at some point. Agreed. So here we are. Um, so John, those are those are the voicemails. Good batch. Good batch. Thank you, everybody. Send in more of your Halloween stories. But one yes. thing I do want to mention before we move on is we are doing a sweet 16, as we mentioned mm. on the pod last week. Yes. Um, for candy. For candy. We posted a survey on our Twitter of uh, that you just need to go click the link, sign into a Google account, and then rank your top 16 candies. There's like 25 candies on there. You pick whatever 16 you like the most, and then we're going to create a bracket, and we will... um, be putting that up in the coming weeks, but we want to get more people out there talking yeah. about their favorite candies. Got to represent your favorite candies. Start, you know, making your, you know, I think what we'll do is we will put out the sweet 16 and mm-hmm. then people can make their own brackets. Mm-hmm. And then maybe if we get somebody who sure. 
uh, you know, if somebody gets, you know, a perfect bracket or something, which will probably won't happen, but like, I don't know if someone gets really close, we'll see, mm-hmm. we'll see if we can send them, send some their way. Send them something sweet. Send them something for a sweet 16. Ooh, ooh yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, that's yeah. not quite what I meant. <laughs> no, I don't know. John's talking about 16. He's talking about, I don't know what's happening. Uh, um anyway yeah so do you do you have any questions for me today though john i do have i do have a very important question for you mm-hmm. do you want to play a game <laughs> that's a yes that was a wilhelm scream in case the, Will, the wilhelm the wilhelm scream in our world means yes not a <laughs> suffering zombie or a uh <laughs> laughing vampire whatever yeah um all right i'm ready so this week back in the saddle we are talking blaster the rocket man Mm -hmm. and we're talking just more spooky things Mm -hmm. so this week um we are going to play a game i'm calling deploy all questions now (laughs) just call me andrew the question man Mm, not the question boy no, no, I'm a man. I'm a big boy now. I'm a question man. I'm a question man. I used to be a question boy, but uh, yeah. So I'm going to ask you questions related to um, things on this record. Okay. And see, see how well you do. See if you get another, see if you got another five out of five in you, John. Mm, I don't know. Don't, don't jinx me. <laughs> too spooky do you, do you believe in do you believe in jinxes do you believe in curses john <laughs> this month i do <laughs> all right are you ready i'm ready all right first question we all know bella lugosi for his role in the iconic 1931 film dracula which of these other bits of lugosi trivia did i make up a he turned down the role of Frankenstein because of the lack of dialogue and layers of makeup were beneath him. B, Lugosi died in 1956 and was buried in his Dracula cape. C, Lugosi was an avid stamp collector. Or D, Lugosi was not a fan of horror films before Dracula and accidentally ended up typecasting himself. I am pretty certain that he did turn down the role of Frankenstein. Okay. That he was buried in his cape. Mm-hmm. And that he was not a fan of horror and ended up kind of resenting being typecast. So perhaps the man was a stamp collector, and I'm just learning that information now. Wouldn't necessarily surprise me, but I'm going to go ahead and say, see, stamp collector, you made that one up. You're going stamp collector. Lugosi was not a stamp collector. Um, I'm sorry, John. Oh, my beautiful rain has come so to an end. He uh, apparently his his wife said that he had like fifteen thousand stamps. All right, <laughs> just something absurd like that, and that he he like would spend ten percent of <laughs> like his earnings like of his money on stamps wow he was just like very much into stamps 
Well, you did not make that one up. No, no, I did not. Um, and he, there is a quote that he said that if it weren't for Boris Karlov, he would mm-hmm. have cornered the horror market. So he wanted to play Frankenstein? So no, he 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 did turn down the role for Frankenstein, but he didn't want to do it because right. because exactly. he 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 said like he said something dismissive like you know because there wasn't any dialogue you could just give it to like some essentially give it to some idiot you it doesn't right. matter yeah. uh, but yeah he he thought it was like beneath his acting abilities <laughs> yeah so which because one he's is gonna be, he's going to be just covered in makeup right that, that yeah, I just made up I made up that he wasn't a fan of horror. Oh, but it is true that he didn't like that people just wanted to make him a monster always. Well, I yeah, but the the fact that he wasn't a fan of all right, they, all right, you know. fair enough. I think I get a half point for that. Oh, one, okay, but. okay. <laughs> Mickey, let us know. Oh, um, bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he did originate the role on stage, I believe. So right, you know, I guess he was a fan, but. I, I guess I was focusing more on the like typecasting thing because that, that's partly why he didn't want to do Frankenstein because he's like, I don't want to do horror. That's for like slumming it. So anyway. <laughs> All right, Jim. Sounds like it won. Okay. Sounds like you <laughs> picked the the thing that was true, which was that he was a stamp collector. <laughs> fine, fine. All right. All right. Question two. Lycanthropy. I like it. Very rare mental disorder. But fortunately, that doesn't mean werewolf movies are as rare. Which of these is a fake werewolf movie? Mm. A, Wolf Cop. An alcoholic cop gets attacked by an occult group who carve a pentagram into his chest, eventually turning him into a werewolf. B, Biters. Two college friends are dared to visit a castle where it's rumored to be home to a werewolf family. But is there more to this family than meets the eye? C, The Company of Wolves. A girl falls asleep and has a dream that she is in an 18th century village that is under attack from a werewolf in this adaptation of Little Red Riding Hood. Or D, Dog Soldiers. A British military group goes on a training mission to Scotland only to discover the remains of a special ops squad that was attacked and turned into werewolves. Now, with the help of a zoologist, they try to survive the night. I am stumped. (laughs) Because Uh... three of these are actual movies. I know Wolf Cop is real. Okay. I'm pretty sure Dog Soldiers is real. Um, by the way, Wolf Cop sounds like something we should watch on the Patreon. Biters <laughs> um, and the Company of Wolves, both extremely plausible. Biters sounds like something I've heard of, but that plot seems maybe like there should be a little more to it. The Company of Wolves, I have not heard of, but um, an adaptation of Little Red Riding Hood sounds very plausible. Uh, I'm going The Company of Wolves. See, you made up, even though it might be B. You're going Little Red Riding Hood adaptation is one I made up. I'm sorry, John. Ugh. Should I have gone with my gut? I made up biters. Yeah, that's such a good title. That really sounds like it should be a werewolf movie. But yeah, I was trying to make it. I was wa- wanted to make it sound like I didn't want. See, the thing is, like, I don't want to really go more than like one or two sentences. Yeah. Because I don't want it to be, uh, you know, 
get too in the weeds, but yeah, um, I wanted it to be like a rom. Maybe I should have added like like a rom com or like some sort of like sure. a con- because it was supposed to be like, oh, they're actually a nice. It's actually a nice werewolf family, you know? Yeah, 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 sure. It's like they're just misunderstood and they live in the castle because they're oh. misunderstood. I'm Googling the company of wolves. I've definitely seen clips from this movie. This is a movie I've wanted to see for a long time. It looks wild. I, I want to watch that one for sure. Yeah. Um, so shame on me. And it's also not it has that. Angela Lansbury in it. Can't go wrong there. Yeah, she's the she's the Little Red Riding Hood grandma, uh, I think. Oh, hell yeah. The better to, to see her with. Um, <laughs> All right, John. I'm 0 for uh, 2. My... I'm sorry. Yeah, this is... We'll, we'll, you'll, let's see if you can make it up on this one. This is... This is maybe getting into a little, you know, an area that we've discussed before. Okay. Lovebot may have gotten his revenge, but what about Pimpbot? As you know, Pimpbot 5000 was a beloved character from the early days of Late Night with Conan O'Brien. We've talked about a variety of deep cut Conan sketches on the show, but how well do you know some of his other characters? Which of these did I make up? A, Hot Jesus. B, Coked Up Werewolf. C, money shot Lincoln, <laughs> or D, pubes guy. Boy, um, these all sound like things I've seen on Conan. <laughs> um, I mean, I know that coked up werewolf is real. Um, I know that. Money Shot Lincoln is real. Pubes Guy and Hot Jesus. I, I don't remember either of those, but they both sound like things I've seen. Uh, boy, I'm going to say, and I don't feel super confident about it, but D, Pubes Guy, you made up. You think I made up Pubes Guy? Yeah. John, I'm sorry. Oh, no. I hot made up, Jesus? I made up Not hot real? Jesus. Oh, it sounds like something we definitely would have seen. Yeah, it's a it's a great it's a great character idea if I do say so myself. <laughs> but I need to show you Pubes guy, uh, because this is ab- <laughs> it's outstanding. Adam Sandler is going to be out here in just a moment. Uh, but before we bring him out, we have a. Um, we have a new character on the show who's who's becoming pretty popular. This guy has the ability, the uncanny ability, to ruin any situation, no matter how perfect, simply by saying one word. Take a look. <laughs> Cindy, I have something that I want to ask you. Oh, my God. Will you marry me and make me the happiest man in the whole world? Yes. Yes, I will. Cubes. <laughs> I do remember this that, now. That, that word really bums me out. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember now, this. We're mentioning him for a reason tonight, not just some self-indulgent attempt to gross people out. That we would never do. It turns out that Pubes is a huge Knicks fan. And now that the Knicks have their backs against the wall, Pubes wants to do what he can to help them win. So get this. He went to the Spurs Hotel this morning and tried to distract them as they boarded the team bus to go to practice. This really happened, and we have it on film. Take a look. (laughs) 
standing there in a shirt that says pubes. I think it's John Glazer. Yeah, I think it is. Pubes. <laughs> pubes. 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 David Robinson. I forgot about this. How could I have forgotten? That was beautiful. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jeremy Jam himself. That's right. We just got, <laughs> I just got jammed. You just I got jammed. Jammed um, with Yeah. Real life people <laughs> looking for autographs from his first player <laughs> are looking at him <laughs> askance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but I need to, I just want to show um... <laughs> Money Shot Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> really wrestled with my uh, conscience on this last one, but I'm going to show it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's called Lincoln Money Shot Channel. Crust. <laughs> 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 Seeing Lincoln from low um, angles, <laughs> yeah, to completion. Chris, <laughs> yuck! <laughs> wow. Yeah, everybody should go look up "coked up werewolf money shot Lincoln and pubes guy." Um, oh god, uh, Conan was really—he really pushed the envelope back in the nineties, man. True. Oh, god, man. I loved, I loved that. I loved how absurd, and they just. <laughs> They got away with so much stuff. Yeah. Oh, uh, but like his like hands behind his head, and just Gross. like low angles of like. <laughs> Yikes! So awful. Um, yeah, hot Jesus available to uh, to sketch shows out there who want to involve yeah. us. So. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, John. Uh, I got to I got to oh, focus up here. Okay, focus up. See, we'll see what you know about Venus. Mm. Question four: We don't normally get this many songs about Venus on the albums we discuss. So let's see what you know about the second planet from the sun. Which of these Venus facts did I make up? A, Venus is the hottest planet in the solar system. B, a day on Venus is equal to 243 Earth days. C, due to the extreme heat and pressure of the atmosphere, spacecrafts have yet to land on the surface of the planet. Or D, Venus has over 1,600 volcanoes. Well, I'm no scientist. Mm. No? <laughs> uh, That's not your job with the ELCA? <laughs> lead, lead scientist. Lead scientist for the ELCA. <laughs> sounds cool. Uh, I believe it being hot. Sounds right. I believe volcanoes, you know, related. Um, I don't remember hearing about spacecrafts landing on Venus. So I'm going to go a day on Venus is equal to 243 Earth days, which, if true, sounds like a cool premise for a science fiction or a science story. Uh, you're saying I made up the 243 days. Uh, yes. I'm sorry, John. Oh, man. <laughs> Has a spacecraft landed there? Uh, yes. Like, All right. Back in the 60s. Okay. Um, but, but here's the thing, though. It can't even be. It can't be there that long. It's like sure. only a matter of hours because it's hot it is, as hell. It's so hot and the pressure is just absolutely insane. All right. And you know, it's a trick the... question you're saying. 
<laughs> no, it's not a trick question. All right, fine. The spacecrafts have landed on the surface of, of the planet. They but just... for how long? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You say land. It implies a certain <laughs> amount of time, bro. Oh, does it? That's what it implies? Um, yeah. Well, also, a lot of the volcanoes are dormant. Do you want to get extra points for the, <laughs> the dormant volcanoes? Yes, I would. Um, boy, this sucks. One for one for four. Let's see if I can let's see if I can save some face here. Um, no, you're. I think you're O for four. Okay, fine. O for four. <laughs> I guess I gave myself credit on the first one, which isn't real. <laughs> All right, John. You have one last chance Just, at redemption. You, you wait till next week. It's gonna be the okay. fucking hardest <laughs> quiz anybody's ever had. Hey, I got. I got. I got two out of five last week. So. <laughs> all right. All right. I didn't. I didn't do great either. All right. Question five. All the basic whoreheads know that Frankenstein was the name of the doctor, not the monster. But the real horrorheads know the deets about Mary Shelley. Which of these Mary Shelley facts did I make up? A. Shelley wrote Frankenstein when she was a teenager. B. Shelley's father tragically drowned in her teen years, which is what spawned the idea for bringing someone back to life. C. Critics slammed the book when it was first published. Or D, Thomas Edison adapted Frankenstein into one of the first horror movies ever. Um, I know she was a teenager when she wrote it. Uh, I feel like there was a critical sort of backlash. People thought it was maybe like too perverse for humanity. <laughs> Thomas Edison uh, adapting it. I, I have seen that that short Frankenstein uh, clip, unless I'm making this up and that was a fever dream. So I got to say, I don't remember her being like, you know, famously, she was a part of this uh, writer's group who all challenged each other during a spooky weekend to write the best scary story they could. And she wrote fucking Frankenstein. She crushed it. <laughs> um so I think she was just trying to come up with something spooky, and I don't think it was basically about her dad drowning, so I'm going B. You made that up. John, in Under the Wire. Phew. Yes. Uh, I made that, that up. for five. All right. Yes. Plausible, okay. though. Plausible. Yes. Well, there was a... Uh, there were some other tragedies in her life. Indeed. Uh, uh, per Percy Shelley would, in fact, eventually drown, I believe. Yes, that's, that is... Yeah, he drowned when he was, uh, like, 28 or 29, yeah, they were all young as hell. Um, yes, and she got she got married very young. I think she was still a teenager when she got married, and yeah, um, well, I think she had like four kids, and only one of them survived. So, um, lots of lots of tragedy in her life, um, and I think it was what I read. There was a she had a dream mm, right. um, about one of her babies that that died right that right she was able to bring the baby back to life and that was mm. part of i think what that was maybe part of the impetus for the for that part of the story mm. um hey but, frankenstein yeah. good book <laughs> uh i have not i have not read it but there's also lots of uh sexism and misogyny around this that people yes. being like oh she couldn't have written this this was her husband her husband helped right. write it and her husband did a lot of it and and it's like it's been a couple hundred years guys let's let's give her right. let's give her a little they're bit like 
Oh, Mary, you go and write a little silly story, too. And she's like, yeah, fine, motherfuckers. I'll write, like, the most defining horror story of all time real quick. Just, like, create the most iconic, like, uh, monster ever. Right. You know, no big deal. That's, again, I mean, getting back to, I love the, the universal Frankenstein, but very, very far removed from the actual Frankenstein story, which is very concerned, again, of questions of science and faith and searching for our maker and all kinds of really interesting philosophical questions in that story so good quiz andrew i i suffered but i'm glad i pulled that one out at the end there you know i i think there's um you know there's there's some speculation i guess about the first question if you want to give yourself (laughs) partial credit you know i will say that you did choose a an answer that was true so i feel sure. like you don't get any credits for it. all right all right yeah. fine fine deploy okay. all correct answers now <laughs> yes all right so i feel like what do you think we should maybe discuss mm. discuss uh, about G- something about jesus being consumed get into some monsters get into get some, some get into has some science monsters. gone too far Get into Horrifying some C.S. Debates. Lewis. Yes, into- <laughs> so much C.S. Lewis. <laughs> Let's do uh, it. Yes, yeah, so when we come back, we will be discussing Blaster, the Rocket Man, the monster who ate Jesus. Hi, I'm Liam Hooper. And I'm Peterson Toscano. Together, we co-host the Bible Bash podcast. Each month, we look into a different ancient story, We're curious to find insights into our own queer lives. We discuss these and share our findings with you. You can find the Bible Bash podcast pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out at the end of each month. talking blast of the rocket man talking the monster who ate jesus the opening of that song makes me feel like we're maybe talking i don't know uh master master it sounds like (laughs) old school metallica there for a second it does it does sound like some like ride the lightning ride the lightning era era. yeah yeah (laughs) Um, i'm not i'm not mad about it no. Bro, like I'm, I'm so much more into this. This this album is such a delight compared to the Deadlines. I, I mean, the, the, some of the, you know, the lyric, the lyrics are off the wall. There's yeah. lots of uh, references to C.S. Lewis. Yes. Um, you know, there's, you know, you're, you're we're talking werewolves, talking. <laughs> There's just, there's a lot going on. There's so much going on. So much to talk about. Yes. Um, I'm going to be like processing it in real time with you. Cause I, I said during our little break there that I felt like overwhelmed by this band and by this album. So we'll have to, we'll have to go through it together. Um, just to start, boy, I, I mean, <clears throat> there's no question that this is a more accomplished not to make everything about them versus deadlines, but as far as our little mini series here, like, yeah, there's no question that this is a more musically accomplished band than the one that we heard last week. Now, the sort of 
realm that the deadlines play in is a little more traditionally my kind of thing, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas they're doing like so many things. Yes. Um, And I'm again, a little iffy on some of the like theology here, but it is a fascinating project. They're a fascinating band. Um, I can't remember when somebody mentioned this, but I think it was, I think we'd like talked about it in real time on the pod, maybe like during five iron or something that somebody brought up blaster, the rocket man slash rocket boy. And I was like, boy, this sounds so up my alley. Like the kind of stuff that they talk about address the different kinds of approaches they take in songs, but like covers of the albums. Oh yeah. It's very much my aesthetic, but like, I already know the answer to when did you first hear of Blast of the Rocket Man? Because he said in the first segment it was this season. Um, yeah. or at least when we started doing this pod. And same for me. They I completely missed them growing up. Maybe to Daniel Leary's point from the first segment, harder to come by. Um, yeah. They weren't really they did tour with some prominent bands, but they were not a tooth and nail band. They were on smaller labels. Uh I don't believe there are any music videos. Um they didn't seem to be on a ton of comps. So they just didn't make quite the same impression. Um, but boy, are they a fascinating and incredibly accomplished and interesting band. <laughs> I, I'm kind of surprised yeah. that they're not more of a thing, to be honest. Um, yeah, this this is probably I bet this is one of those bands that if you're if you were to find a blaster, the rocket man fan, they would be the kind of fans that were just very into like extremely into the band i don't think that there would probably be very many blaster fans that are like oh they're 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 fine i feel i don't feel (laughs) like there's uh any a lot of middle of the road blaster fans i think you're you're like really into it or you're just like nah it's not for me yeah a band that very easily would lend themselves to like a diehard sort of fan community yeah following all the mythos and everything um so uh, they formed in 1994 in Indianapolis as Blaster the Rocket Boy. Uh, the initial lineup was Daniel Peterson, a.k.a. Autobot, on vocals, his brother Dave Peterson, a.k.a. Heater Hands, on drums. <laughs> uh, and those two were kind of the, the mainstays throughout all the incarnations of the band. Um, Heater Hands also playing guitar on most recordings. He was 13 when the band formed, and he was the primary lyricist for their first album, which is uh, quite something. Um, Michael the man Shouse on bass and Chris Dickens on guitar. Um, you know, they're another band that had a very theatrical elements. They wore masks, they wore costumes, there was audience participation, they were being werewolves, they were being flies, you know, there's a human fly song. Um, and so they were initially signed to Boot to Head Records. Um, Boot to Head had some prominent bands to be sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. No Innocent Victim, NIV, and uh, Sidewalk Slam, The Clergy, they were all Crux. in Boot to Head. Yeah, correct. I'm sure there's others. Um, Did you say shorthanded? No, but also them. Yeah, yeah. yeah th- I mean, they were, a, they were a significant label, although, you know, more sort of underground, I guess. Um, and they released uh, their first record, Disasteroid, in 1995 on Boot to Head. Uh, second record, uh, succulent space food for teething vampires. I love it. I love <laughs> it's it. So good. It's so good. And all their album covers, like especially yeah, they're the, great. Especially starting with succulent space food. It, yes. It gives off that classic uh, monster movie. Yeah. Monster vibe. Right. Kind of that like fifties B movie yeah. sci fi thing. Yeah. 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 
um, into it. Um, uh, that record was released in 1997. Uh, Daniel slash Autobot took over as the primary lyricist at that point. Um, before their third record, The Monster Who Ate Jesus, which we'll discuss today, they switched labels to Jackson Rubio Records, which I have never heard of before today. No. Um, I mean, before uh, this week, but they seem to be a pretty short-lived label. I mean, they also had records by Havelina Rail Company and right. Scattered Few. Like, there's some other recognizable bands, um, but seemed to, like a pretty short-lived thing. I don't know anything else about it. Um, yeah. But at that point, they kind of felt they had matured their sound, and they changed their name to Blaster the Rocket Man when they released this record in 1999. Um, and then I think they were broken up by 2000. So it was a short, short-lived uh, venture. Yeah. Um, but we should say in 2011, they released a split EP with the voice of the Mysterons, uh, which is the band that Daniel formed after they split up. And you can find those songs on the band camp of this band, Destroy Nate Allen, who uh, put those songs out on a split as well. So they had put the split out on the voice of the Mysterons thing, but it was like very limited run and Destroy Nate Allen asked if they could release them again with theirs. So you can find them there. Those songs are called The Detective of Nightmares and the Cast of the Poltergeist or What Weird Forms Creep into the Big Sleep <laughs> and Death of an Android Gunslinger, a metagalactic dialogue followed by a thrilling action sequence and a tragicomic twist. <laughs> so it's like, that's pretty perfect. And I think the, the songs are fun and weird and, and what you'd want them to be. So, you know, that was like 10 years ago now, but maybe maybe there's more Blaster in the future. Who knows? I would love it if there was some kind of Reunion, they played Cornerstone a bunch of times even after they broke up, um, which I would have loved to have seen. I never did. I assume you didn't see them when you were no, when you were there. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, both I, of these, vo- the voice of the, the Misterons and Blaster have long, weird, <laughs> like... Love it. My favorite uh, of the uh, voice one is... Close Encounters of the Ominous Ape Cat, a contemplative <laughs> nocturne useful for passing sleepless midnights. <laughs> it's so good, man. <laughs> These guys are so clever, and they yeah, were so yeah, yeah. young, too, yeah. at least on the early stuff, which is, like, impressive. Um, clearly, they're, like, sort of, I don't know, little um, geniuses or something. <laughs> There's, like, they're very accomplished um, in terms of yeah. what they're kind of dreaming up and how they can play so many different styles and many different instruments. Um, I don't know. I you really have to hand it to them for how creative and talented they are. I mean, I think that you can prove to your point with this record that like horror punk doesn't have to sound samey, you know, right. like we were saying last week, you know, I, I don't mind it that much. Cause it's kind of like, well, it misfits, you know, some of those bands sound, I don't really mind, but it's like, these are complex songs. They are surprising songs. It's truly unique, but they never feel like out of place in the sort of horror punk and horror punk adjacent world um they're very difficult to categorize which makes them exciting and also again kind of overwhelming (laughs) like i just had a really hard time sort of going through the songs didn't feel like individual songs to me maybe because there's like so there are so many tempo changes there's so many genre changes there's like three different songs in one song sometimes and i'm like which one is which and that's all fine i just had kind of a hard time like I was like, do I absolutely love every single song? Is every song in my top three or are none of them? I just kind of had a hard time <laughs> categorizing. Um, so I have many feelings about them. I, 
you know, that there's like just on this record alone, I'd say there's punk, there's hardcore, there's surf rock, there's metal, there's country, there's rockabilly, there's jazz, uh, clear Dead Kennedys vibes. Yeah, like he, he definitely has a Jello yes. Biafra vocal quality going on. One hundred percent, which I'm here for. Um, but also there's even other... a start to one of the songs that is one thousand percent. Yeah, a Dead Kennedys song. Right. And I saw in some interviews that they said that they never really listened to them growing up, which I, I buy. Oh. It might just be that, oh. I mean, <laughs> maybe, but it might also just be like, they've never Jell-O listened. They never and... listened to police truck once. Sure. I mean, I maybe after I their initial I... songwriting, they got more into it, but yeah, whether or not it's just like these savants creating strange sounds and they're sort of like <laughs> simpatico in that way, or whether they, I mean, even some of those like drum rolls feel very like dead Kennedy's to me. Um, but, I, but also just like, like just yeah yeah i mean right a billion percent right yes it's a holiday in cambodia <laughs> that would not be out of place here at all yeah. similar bands even if like the dead kennedys would be horrified to hear that in terms of like this is a pretty evangelical band i would say um even if they're doing really interesting things um i still think well we'll get into this too but just in terms of the musicality, I also feel like there's like there may be akin to different sort of genre-defying weird bands like Man or Astro Man, uh, Rocket from the Crypt, right? Maybe even like Violent Femmes or Primus, even just like these weird bands. <laughs> I feel like that's their closest kin. Um, I mean, there were there was times where I was like, I I was hearing some Clash. Sure. Um, yeah. You hear everything <laughs> like jfa and wasted youth some of like those mm-hmm. some of those very early hardcore bands yes yeah i and i think they pull off every style too there's not a ton of bands that could do a hardcore song into like a country or jazz song and yeah. like be incredibly <laughs> proficient at both of them like yeah yeah that's just so cool um yeah I, we'll get into sort of like the the lyrics and the concepts behind it um you know, I guess these are much more sophisticated analogies than the deadlines were using when they were sort of like putting evangelical lyrics in a like horror milieu. Um, but I do feel like they're not that different in terms of like the messages. Um, I feel like there's some questionable sort of conservative theology. And in this case, messages about science or evolution. Um, but again, that's sort of in keeping with the whole 50s B horror movie vibe they're going for, where it's just like, you know, those movies are often questioning like whether scientists have gone too far, that kind of thing. So I'm like, right, is it kind of tongue in cheek sometimes? I don't know. Um, yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah, I think a lot of a lot of the these movies, this era, these questions are the larger thing is ethics within yes. within science, and I think yes, yeah. at the root of of things like frankenstein you know, right is it ethical to mess with the dead is it is it i don't know but yeah i think couching it in conservative theology can be there can be some bummers there yeah i and again we'll we'll go through it i'm not even sure it's not like i come down on it and i'm like boy this bums me out it's more just like huh so that's what you're saying <laughs> and some of that was explained by the fact that this is essentially a concept album based on C.S. Lewis's space trilogy. Right. Um, which I kind of picked up 
some pieces here and there and then like doing some research i was like oh no it's like every song um yeah so and that book i mean that series of books is very concerned with yes science versus faith and, and the morality of science and those came out you know during world war ii when we were asking many questions about like has science gone too far and so i understand all of that i'm okay with it as again as a kid the idea of like a sci-fi horror band writing songs about C.S. Lewis, like I would have, I would have been a, a, a money shot Lincoln when I heard that description. Because <laughs> um, it's so hands, specific and hands cool. Hands behind your head. There's lots of <laughs> yeah facial, facial contortions. contortions. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. It's so cool and specific. But where I am now, as someone who has been very influenced by C.S. Lewis, is like pretty removed from that kind of theology. So today it kind of is like, huh, interesting. Um, and even yeah. the monster who ate Jesus I believe, and connect, correct me if I'm wrong, is sort of referring to the monster of science replacing God. That's how I sort of read it. Um, but of course, on its face, it's also just called The Monster Who Ate Jesus, which is a cool title for an album. Um, sort of along those lines of their approach to this subject matter in a horror package, I wanted to read this quote that I found um, from Lloyd Harp, who wrote this for Indivision Music last year. And again, this is sort of like when you're comparing it to kind of what we were saying last week about a band like the Deadlines and their approach to this. He said, while themes of monsters paired with theological reflections on the new birth or the hope of resurrection in 99% of cases would come across as forced, it doesn't with Blaster, simply because they seem to embody the sci-fi and monster themes for, for their pure enjoyment. So it comes across not so much as someone trying to force a gospel theme into a sci-fi narrative or vice versa, but rather the coming together of two seemingly disparate passions, faith in Jesus and a love for old horror films. I thought that said it really eloquently um, that for the deadlines, we were kind of like, are they, is this like a bit? Are they like forcing this? How much do they really believe this? Whereas like, I have no doubt that Blaster very thoughtfully and intentionally picked these themes because they were themes that really interested them um from both ends of the like horror and theology spectrum right right so with all that give a little detail about this record and then we'll get into it um released august 10th 1999 on jackson rubio records i was produced by the band and the band alone which is cool uh, recorded at Clay Creek Recording Studio in Delaware. And, down uh, by the creek? <laughs> down by the Clay Creek. Um, engineered by Nick Rotundo, who also produced some Huntington's records and engineered a bunch of stuff. Um, but this is uh, this iteration of the band is Autobot on Vokes, Heater Hands on guitar, drums, organ, background vocals, Oxford Don on bass. Um, and it's kind of hard to believe it's just basically like two people playing all the instruments and mainly right. just heater hands. I mean, what a savant that guy must be. Um, he would also go on to drum for squad uh, after they broke up because they had toured together. Um, the art for the record was by Andrea, the horrible death bot, <laughs> which rules. <laughs> um, and that gives you a sense of kind of the themes here. But yeah, as we said, very much built around C.S. Lewis's space trilogy. Are those books that you read ever? No. Nope. They... I did read them in college. I know I read Paralandra, which is the middle of the three. And I believe I read all three, but like they are, they're essentially like Lewis's um, take on 
sci-fi as a means to um, ask questions about contemporary society and whether they were replacing religious tradition with um, a science that that had no morality that was just concerned with science for science sake taking it as far as it could and you know the the band references this nice organization a lot through some of these songs and that was like the big bad of the final of the books um but it's this huge galactic story i think paralander is kind of in my memory the most sort of the least kind of like preachy in 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 brushing up on some of this the first and third seem a little more like direct allegories um it's sort of like genesis the story of genesis happening on another planet again and uh satan and jesus represented through these different sort of like aliens um but uh yeah a lot of it hinges on on those books which we'll get into um i think the, yeah just the tempo changes the song complexity the variety of songs i think those all sort of like define this uh for me so it'll be i'm so curious to hear what you think what your top three are I fully am open to like changing mine on the fly. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Yes. Um, yeah. This is one of those records that I feel like you could write pages and pages about just getting yeah. into the nuances of the meaning and the books and everything. And this was like, <laughs> I'm impressed by how much you have down considering this was like a last minute change <laughs> really got for sucked us. into this world <laughs> yeah and i wanted uh, to understand it yeah well i'm glad that you did because i was like listening to it on a just almost like on a purely musical primarily yeah. purely musical basis so i your deep dive was certainly bigger than mine so i i'm well very, curious to hear some more of your your thoughts other than my surface level more surface level research well no i'm glad to hear you say that almost because like i feel like my musical notes are like pretty sparse because again i just felt like i didn't know where to start like it's all it's all so fascinating normally i'm like can we skip to this part and i'm like there's nothing i want to skip to i just want to like hear all of it yeah i don't there are i mean not only are there no bad songs like i don't think there's any not great songs really um so yeah, we'll we'll let let's get into it. Let's deploy right. some of these monsters. Let's let's deploy some monsters. Up first track, deploy all monsters now! Exclamation point. This is great. So good. Oh, 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 oh,
All right, we'll, we'll stop it right there for a second. Um, yeah. <laughs> what an. This out- is the first of three songs within the song. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Uh, I, so good. I love the hand claps, the gang vocals, and then yeah. bursting out into this sort of driving punk anthem, and the it's harmonies great. are great. Just yep. the repetition is all great. I'm so it's such a great album opener. I agree. Um, especially because if you listened to Succulent Space Food for Teething Vampires, that song, that album also ends with Deploy All Monsters. <laughs> the same way that this that that album ends is how this album begins. Mm. The like destroy is the exact same. Um, so I feel like that's really cool. <laughs> it's like um you know the last album ends with this like opus uh and this song is an opus and the end of this album you know the closer is also an opus so they're sort of doing this interesting like they almost even feel like sequels to each other it's all one sort of big story um but yeah this is great and as a continuation of the other destroy song which is also great um where they're sort of naming different places that are going to get destroyed (laughs) in the in the last album it's more like destroy paris and stuff like that and then this one it's more just like uh things that are going to get destroyed (laughs) it says like elvis aaron presley (laughs) so i guess elvis is getting destroyed um but yeah this this is this is the first of three different songs in one uh it's my favorite right after this they go into a metal version sort of which we should hear some of that too It's great. <laughs> so good. They pull that off also. Uh, and then the last section of the song yeah. is also different. Yes. <laughs> Get some of those growls. another song I will date the girl from Venus flowers die and so will I I will kiss the girl from Venus the science so great this is great uh, as Danny Leary mentioned in his voicemail, that's lifted directly from the They Might Be Giants song for science, where he says, I will kiss the girl from Venus for science. I mean, that's that is we're one song into this album. Yeah. We're oh, one man. song slash three songs into right. this album. At least three. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty great. I, and I, I was like, is this my number one? 
but it's not in my top three. It's so not in my know. it's not in my top three either. <laughs> yeah. Uh which which is tough because I love so much about this yeah. song. I love everything about it. Uh yeah, I mean, but you know, still it's hard. It's hard because there's like so much going on on this record. You're like, like you said, it's like is everything in my top three? Right. <laughs> so naturally after some punk and some hardcore and some metal. I assume we'll continue in that same lane for the next song. Wait a second. This is Primus adjacent. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, no lyrics on this one. Ooh, that sounds good. groove rules it's great if i just it came from heard, down south is the name of that song came from down south if i just heard that song on its own i'd be like this is a really fun sort of jazz band uh, i really like that they've honed their sound so well <laughs> but nope that's just a jazz song on a horror punk record yeah and it's a it's only minute 24 too so that's it's in the same way that the deadlines were you you would you could get in get out there are yeah. lots of songs, uh, yes. sub two minutes on, yep. on this record. So, which again adds to the whole thing, kind of feeling like, what is one song and what's the next? And it all kind of feels like, <laughs> yeah, a sort of rock opera, which I guess it kind of is, yeah. um, a piece of theater. I don't know. Got some but... interludes, spoken interludes. Yes, indeed. Um, but this this song is great. I, I I love a record that contains as much as this has in its first five minutes. So. <laughs> I agree. All right. Uh, hopeful monsters are dying every day. great song great also, song and also Another, not in my top three <laughs> me neither but certainly a contender got um, some it's this is a little bit of a ramones yeah adjacent sure. song definitely some nice oi oi yeah. shouting parts in there yeah. um definitely short feels either is it feels like 70s punk rock to me yes so. a lot of their a lot of their songs have that vibe which yeah, is yeah. a lane i'm here for Short and sweet, like you said, some really cool guitar parts. Um, I gotta start getting into some of the lyrics on this record. This is gonna be a long episode, <laughs> but like, I essentially want to read all the lyrics to the song just because I'm like, what do you, what do you make of this? He says, "We're all hoping for a beneficial mutation in our bodies beyond adaptation or variation of our bodies. We want to take the next step. We want to transcend. But hopeful monsters are dying every day." Um, they say if anyone can, the Superman can. Still, hopeful monsters are dying every day. And it ends with new creatures in Christ, inherit bodies glorified. Yet we carry in our bodies the death of Jesus, which is the hope of life eternal, the hope of glory. We hope in God, which like 
when I first started listening to the song, I wasn't necessarily expecting that it was going to end with the hope of glory. We hope in God. Um, but that's kind of the blaster deal. Um, so, I mean, the way that I kind of take this is like possibly critical of evolution, like the theory of evolution, um, or at least of the idea of sort of like transcending or circumventing the idea of God's plan, um, like through science, you know, the, the, one of the like space trilogy, the C.S. Lewis themes is sort of these scientists who are just godless, who they want to sort of take their bodies to the next mutated level. They want to take the next evolutionary step um, and live beyond the body. Um, and that's kind of related to this, you know, the idea of like the singularity where we like, we sort of outlive how our bodies have been designed or we, we, we can create them maybe in the future to like be more um, linked with machines and technology and just, those are the very much the concerns of like that era, I think, and what Lewis was talking about. So I can, I can relate to it and understand it, but I'm also just like, find it, find the idea of sort of taking down evolution, <laughs> sort of a weird thing to get hung up on. I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. What do you think? I mean, I don't, I don't know if, I, if I read evolution necessarily sure. in the song um i i think what i'm understanding is they're they're taking this idea of trying to perfect right our perfect our our bodies yeah and we should do as the, what the bible says is become new creations Right. You know, you, you're it, with Christ, you, bec you become a new creation. And, and I'm, I'm wondering if that is yeah, what, is. what they're trying to uh, get at. And the new creation should be in Christ, not a, like a scientific one, I guess, but sure. Yeah. Um, I, I think you're right. But I'm, I mean, I'm curious about the hopeful monsters part. Like what is, who are the hopeful monsters? Yeah. Are, they, think... are these, are these are the people that are, fucking around and finding out what science is and they're, and they're they're the ones getting all mutated and messed up because of science maybe or maybe it's what makes us monsters is the fact that we that our bodies do die and like accepting that it's okay that our bodies die because we have hope in eternal life i think that's the idea that even though we are dying in our bodies we have this hope with god whereas like they're saying the way of the world is hope to extend our bodies on this earth through non-godly means, I guess. Lots, hmm. lots to unpack here for like a very short Ramon sounding song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I but I still I still dig the sound and it's great. I don't I don't think I think within the context of the band and within the context of what they're writing based on the source material. Yeah. Um I still find Vegicide by the deadlines to be far more offensive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 1000%. We're not opening the box today. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I do think that a late 90s, early 2000s band needing to go back to C.S. Lewis for your sort of scientific takes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, right. If you're, if we're getting into, you know, you know, 60, 70 years uh, of dated ideas around science and, and ethics within 
right in the scientific community it's like maybe find something a little bit more recent to see what current science is saying about these issues absolutely on the other hand i could see being basically like college aged kids getting excited about c.s lewis because it's like asking theological questions but actually kind of like spooky and spacey and being like hey do you want to write a concept album about this book like that sounds kind of cool um but to your point the questions those books even if they were cool or raising were sort of like "Eh," like you're saying so stampede don't be a hot one yep can't wait till my Open up that hit, bro. The song's so great. It's fucking great. I mean, uh, it's it's so wild man it there's just so much going on it's like is this like a cowboy song is this like a is this an elvis song is this a punk rock (laughs) song is this a dead kennedy song right yeah this song has this song has everything everything every song has everything on this record (laughs) um just wild vocals but i'm very here for them this gives me like reese roper vibes (laughs) he's like singing a cowboy song in a very wild cowboy uh, vocal uh, yeah, you know, it's about uh, space cows come down from outer space and cowboys had to corral them and ride them out of town. I mean, sometimes <laughs> as you do, that's what happens. Um, Saw a rocket know. ship wagon driving <laughs> uh-huh. hideous horses, had the yep. whole team in its tractor beam. <laughs> <laughs> Rules. It's great. And it's like, okay, so this is kind of a silly, fun country song. And then it just absolutely explodes and you go nuts in the pit and like, oh, it's a hardcore song. Like and then it's back to a cowboy song. Yeah. The tempo changes, the vibe changes, his vocals are wild. It's just like, and again, I'm like, I there could be, you know, maybe if they were doing a deadlines explainer card, they could be like the space cows represent Satan. Um but I'm like, I think <laughs> they it's represent fun that there's sin of people trying <laughs> <right>? to <laughs> yeah. turn away from the God. War. <laughs> Yeah, they wake up in the um, middle of the night. They're like, uh, "I fall away from God." Uh. <laughs> but I like how they're just they're just some space cows, and they got to take care of business. I don't know. <laughs> it's a good time. Stampede. Yep, into it, into it. Um, all right, and now on to Ooh. how is this not police truck? <laughs> yeah, it's it's that like delay guitar plus his vocals are very dead Kennedy's. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yep. It is the same thing. Um, but it rules. All right. It's uh, us. (laughs) 
This is my number one. Okay. This was definitely in contention for me, but but didn't yeah. make it. Yeah. I I just can't deny that opening bit and then the bass is so good. And I really am really into his vocals. And then yes. the end of this song just takes it up. Yeah. Let's should we hear some of that? Yes. There we go. I mean, incredible. <laughs> I could very easily be convinced to, to move this up in my top three. Oh, God. It's, it, yeah, it takes, just takes that really, it's just so theatrical and it's so dramatic. It is. He, he likes to do a lot of <laughs> terrifying screams to end songs as yeah. different characters, which I'm here for. Um, yeah, this is Human Flytrap, Our Hero Escapes from Venus, by the way. Um, yeah, I agree with everything you said. A, Cool delay guitar opening, cool bass. Love the organ sound that comes in here. Again, yeah, that's that, kinda that, that to me feels like a more successful use of sure. organ than the deadlines because it's it's more sparse and it's more there. It, it it gives it adds texture rather than leaning on it. You know, right? Yeah, like they're not no, leaning I... on one particular thing in any of these songs. They're just no. It's just cacophony. Yes. And noise and it all somehow works together. <laughs> There's not a lot of organ on the record, but organ feels very at home for this band. Yeah. Um yeah. I think there's some fiddle in there, even. <laughs> um great vocals, like you said. This one very much concerned with the themes of Paralandra. I mean, on in the book Paralandra, they go to Venus. Um, so the hero. Uh, Ransom, who we'll hear more about later, is escaping from Venus here. It's also kind of a combination of that and The Fly, the movie The Fly, <laughs> where he turns into a fly. He's got the head of a fly and the body of a man or whatever. Um, starts screaming. They're screaming fly over and over. I mean, it's... The yeah. song is uh, mostly about Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> right, as all good songs should be. <laughs> um, yeah, good pick, good pick. Um, now on to the first untitled sort of 
transitional spoken word track. No yes. insect-like, vermiculate, or crustacean abominable. No twitching feelers, rasping wings, slimy coils, curling tentacles. No monstrous union of superhuman intelligence and insatiable cruelty seemed to him anything but likely on an alien world. He saw in imagination various incompatible monstrosities, bulbous eyes, grinning jaws, horns, stings, mandibles. It's great. And then that it sets up uh, Ransom versus the Unman. Yeah, we should say that that quote is from uh, directly from uh, out out of the silent right. Uh, it's out yes from out yeah. of the silent planet, which is the first yeah. in the the space trilogy. Um, yeah. Appropriate material for this band, uh, a spooky passage. Um, yeah. And again, if you're telling like teenage Johnny that like there's a band that's reading a C.S. Lewis quote, but like with this very spooky horror vibe and background to it. I'm like, sign me up. That sounds great. <laughs> um, Ransom versus the Unman. Hell yeah. Just a straight up God. hardcore song. So good. Another it's... one that was didn't make my top three, but didn't listening make... again, I'm like, did it? I know, I know. It's it, it didn't make rips. my top three either, but absolutely rips. Yeah. Um those little <laughs> the tempo changes where the drums all yeah. of a sudden just like completely change beat i mean again that's like these guys have serious chops they and do. are like have brains that are fascinating I'm very um, impressed uh this is like directly out of uh out of the silent planets as we yeah. were saying um you know ransom <laughs> Ransom, subtle name, right? For protagonist. I wonder if it could be related to Christ's <laughs> ransom or the ransom theory of atonement. Um, basically fights a demon, uh, which is cool as hell. Um, so then there's this quote at the end of the song um, about becoming the pen dragon, um, which is what Ransom becomes in the third book. Um there's a lot. There's a lot going on here. Uh, it rules. I don't know. I, I'm I'm very into it. I think it's it's possible to listen to this record without the context of the book. Definitely. And be like this. This still rules. I don't feel like I need to read the book and understand what he's talking about just to be like, sure. Just super into all of these songs and. You know, you know even if we're getting into the the nitty-gritty and the details of c.s lewis like i feel like basing it on a c.s lewis work versus i know we keep i keep harping on the deadlines but like if we have a very limited scope of the bands we're talking <laughs> about this this month so right. there's gonna be lots of comparisons and but like <laughs> when you compare it to the deadlines where it's like 
Um, well, the graveyard is, is just is, <laughs> is death, and it's really about sin. It's like, God, you, it's, it's so boring in comparison to like, there's just so much going on here. Yes. And like, I don't care, even if this, even if C.S. Lewis and the books are like kind of a bummer, I'm like, this is still, they're, they're, they're undertaking this very interesting project. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's, there's just lots of kudos to them on that alone. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I am a huge C.S. Lewis fan. I, I don't want to. So why like, do you hate C.S. Lewis? <laughs> there are, there are the aspects to his theology that resonate with evangelicals today that I find troubling. Um, but also he was like not too far removed from a universalist. Um, so maybe read the great divorce again, uh, evangelicals. And uh, no, I, I'm just saying like, I think he has, he has a sophisticated and complex theology, even if I don't agree with everything, but like, I think that's why I'm so eager to like get into all this is because they blaster also has a complex and nuance you know well it a complex theology there's a there's a sophistication to it there's a lot going on and because they put work into it i want to sort of dissect it as opposed to the deadlines where there's nothing to really dissect now i completely agree that you could easily just listen to this as a, a punk album and not and and have fun with it and not spend all your time digging into this like i think intentionally they probably designed it in that way um, but I do think there's so much to dig into that I also want to spend time talking about that stuff. So I no, think it works sure. on both levels. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I'm just saying like, I don't feel like, right. Like, Oh, I need to go and read the space trilogy to fully <laughs> right, right. enjoy this record. It's like, eh, I feel like I can enjoy it just fine without yes. needing to go to the library and pick out these books. Agreed. Um, <laughs> March of the Macrobes. 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 Here come the heads, the chosen heads of the bodiless men. Macrobes. Macrobes. Here come the heads, here come the chosen heads of the bodiless men. From it to man to drop, I will climb the pot to travel, get the fly. From it to man to drop, I will climb the pot to the pot to the pot. could be like a combination between a they might be giants and b52 song <laughs> that's a great call uh absolutely that's what this is um marching here come the macrobes super fun really fun vocal delivery um there's cool like multiple vocal parts that happen at different points in the song um you also get a spoken word part um, about, again, NICE, which is like the evil organization in uh, That Hideous Strength, uh, the book in the, uh, in the Space Trilogy. Um, this is another one that I'm just like, help me with, help me unload or unpack these, these lyrics because it's like, 
this is another this is where i get the sort of like evolution idea you know the part where he's like from ape to man to god we like <laughs> he says from ape to man to god by rape we plant the pod to propagate the fraud um to liquidate the body you could be a vessel for that hideous strength um leave flesh behind there's only mind um whatever happened to the individual where is his soul and this is when they chant n-i-c-e and then they do r-a-p-e so they're like equating what nice n-i-c-e is doing to like the rape of the earth or of the world there's so much going on here um and this is the one where i'm like is it about you know that whole spoken word yeah section is very much sort of about like evolution gone mad and like just leave your rights and the individual behind and become part of this like collective evolution together i don't know again i'm not sure like am i offended by this i don't know i don't know what i think about it i think it's super interesting um so yeah yeah (laughs) knowing where the band's ideology and and them uh sort of using the c.s lewis theology as a like their canvas for creating this album like i feel like those lines are blurred a little bit yeah i I think they're very much living in the world of the books um which makes me feel less like do i feel like icky about some of this and more just like no it's a concept album based on these books so naturally there's going to be songs that explore these characters ideas so I don't know. I, I ultimately come away from most of these ones that I'm like, what's going on here with like, ultimately it's just really fun and interesting. So right. I don't really, I don't really bump on stuff too much, but I am curious about like what's happening here exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah. I'm yeah. It's, it's complex. I'm not for whatever reason, I'm giving them so much of so much of a pass because of, <laughs> sure <laughs> what they're doing is just yeah. so interesting and plus the source material is like right. i'm just like i i don't know i'm, I'm able to overlook it a little bit even if it's sure. just like uh, maybe a not very nuanced look at what evolution is you sure. know yeah uh the whole like mis- misunderstanding of like like uh from ape to man you know it's like right all right, let's. <laughs> you're you're sort of disqualifying yourself from talking about evolution. Yeah, I there's a lot going on. <laughs> um. All right, Cop City sounds like a terrible place to live. Just another uh, instrumental surfy surf surf rock surf jammy, uh, yeah. Um, 
so did you read anything up on what cop city is within this the construct of this world that i i'm not familiar with any cop city elements to uh, the space trilogy i could okay. be wrong maybe i'm forgetting cop city but <laughs> i feel like this might just be kind of a, a one-off i don't know why it's maybe. called that but yeah i don't know well here for some surf vibes regardless yeah maybe if uh Cops spent more time surfing and less time shooting people. The world would be a better place. The world would be a better place. And like, let's, let's grab our boards, bro. Let's go hit the beach. Ride those Imagine barrels get like pitted. Cops in full uniforms just <laughs> shredding those waves. Um, love that guitar sound. Sounds oh, so cool. It sounds that's really great. Good. They did not only are they like great musicians, great vocalists, but like they are very competent, more than competent producers and engineers yeah. they produce this themselves like it's just, That's what I'm saying. It's all, it just it's all very really, impressive it sounds really good yeah yeah it sure does um love bots revenge bro <laughs> just out this is outside my top my top five it's very fun i i there's it's so great there's like the beginning part to me sounds clashy like the clash Mm, and then sure yeah and then it's like elvisy sort of yes for sure then i don't know what's happening but (laughs) there's a lot happening there's a lot um yeah, it's great. I mean, he's such a performer. Those vocals are so fun. Um, it's a weird one. Uh, I'm a I bogey think... in the heart of the jungle <laughs> in a hidden lab under vines of the tangle. I've got, I go my, I uh, got my sights on the lights of the city. I want a chemical reaction to something pretty. I'm programmed to fall for you, pretty baby. You're programmed to fall for me, pretty baby. Yeah, it's a uh... yeah. I think I. I mean, I. I assume this is sort of a more uh, science knows better than God and is out of control yeah. <laughs> lane of songs again. I mean, he said, you know, he's got the as you said, you, you programmed to fall for me, little honey. But then it moves into and great was our fall, pretty baby. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. And it's like every time they take kind of a turn like that, I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. <laughs> um, but you know, I guess it's more like, what have we become when we if we're all just robots and we program ourselves for love rather than letting what God intended happen. I don't know. There's a lot, it's called love bots revenge. So I'm like, I'm not going to like take issue with it. It's a great time. So. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's imagining a world where we're no longer connecting with people. We're connecting with robots and then it all turns on us, I guess. 
I guess so. It's like maybe they were being prescient about uh, about all our our dating apps, Andrew. Now we're just designed to fall for each other rather than letting God help us find each other in Bible school. Yeah, I don't know. Well, tell that to ChristianMingle.com. Mm, yeah, or as I call him, Lovebot. <laughs> I don't know. Or or, or J date for all our <laughs> sure our, our Jewish friends out there. Um, anyway, (laughs) um, now on to Disastroid, which was the previously, one of their previously titled, was that an album or was it an EP? Yeah, that was their first album. First album, okay. One, two, three, four. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. my number so three fun. okay cool yeah bro we're like like three quarters of the way through the album do you have anything on here <laughs> not yet uh or do i are they all my top three I, I don't know this could easily be in my top three um here for this very fun hardcore lane they're in uh anything else you want to say about it? um i don't think so i i i you just think but- it shreds I like I th- I like that it shreds. I um did you find all the lyrics for every song? I did. Um if people are looking for them, they're on the site in Vubu. Um a, a fascinating one here. Uh, another one I have a little bit of trouble with. Uh basically reveling in the idea of a Christian apocalypse, I believe. Um, you know, he's like, uh this world womb will give birth to a new heaven and new earth. Uh, disaster right it's burning down uh, open system or closed system either way you've missed him who created you uh, in Christ all things consist by his light you exist another day you can't change the course of the curse the transformation will occur so I'm like again it's it's cool I, mortality will be swallowed up by life when the earth is destroyed it's sort of like that sounds good <laughs> according to the narrator here I don't know it's I'm all for like disaster and apocalypse song but i'm also just like it sounds i don't know i feel weird about it yeah reveling in the apocalypse for your own right uh your own ideology your own theology yeah i mean because there are still there are currently sects of christianity who want to usher in the apocalypse because right jesus will return then and i'm hoping that's not exactly what's their perspective here again maybe it's tongue-in-cheek maybe it's like that's part of the space trilogy again that some of these worlds are just completely destroyed and they start over so i'm giving them again the benefit of the doubt and like imagining them in sort of the context of those characters but i don't know a little weird (laughs) but a really really fun song weird and fun song go hand in hand with most of these (laughs) indeed they sure do
And another untitled uh, transitional song. Frankenstein, Frankenstein, <laughs> where, where have you been? In your laboratory, making something ghastly gory. In the churchyard, digging hard, midst the tombstones, alone with bones. Did you steal the cadaver that your son... So cool. Yeah. Uh, as far as I know, this is like an original poem. Frankenstein. Uh, Frankenstein. Very here for these vibes. Uh, sets up our, our next song well. Frankenstein's monster wants a wife. <laughs> yeah. I just got to say again, the guitar tones that they, they, they achieved so many variety of guitar tones on this record. It's very true. It's unbelievable that they were able to accomplish all of these different sounds from reverby and jangly to uh, these sort of tight, uh, acoustic sounds to surfy and to hardcore and every it's just they did they've they, they it's amazing that they did such a good job and this is you know the 90s before you could just like plug in uh, into a computer and choose literally right. any guitar sound in the world you know yeah yeah uh this is my number two um we haven't even gotten to the vocals yet, which are kind of like my favorite parts. So maybe we can skip ahead a little bit. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I don't know. I, I'm like, this is one where I'm like, I guess I, I guess I love this song. <laughs> like, I guess I love it enough that it's my number two, but I don't know. Honestly, I'm so like, I don't know what my, what my top three is, but <laughs> I'll say this is my number two. I think it's super bouncy, super fun, great theatrical vocal delivery throughout. He almost sounds like Robin Williams or something. He's like doing this character of Dr. Frankenstein. And I love those like call and response, like Doc Frankenstein. Like that's such a cool yeah. old school jazz thing. I just, I'm a sucker for that kind of jazz too. That sort of like 
thirties sort of banjo and, and like, I don't know, Django guitar sound driven thing. It's um, almost like I could almost hear like Gogo Bordello covering this kind of a song. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I could see that. Like I, it, I um, can just imagine someone throwing in a little squeeze box or, or something yeah. into this song and it, like it would not be out of place. It does have like sort of a gypsy punk aesthetic yes, to it. For sure. It also ends with him shouting, it's alive, it's alive, uh, which is wonderful. Um, I don't know. I, I Obviously, I just, I'm like here for like the Frankenstein narrative. So I think it's fun that he's doing a song from that perspective and really doing it all theatrical. Um, this is another one that I'm like, I assume that this isn't just a straight up song about making a bride for Frankenstein, that there's some sort of metaphor here. Um, you know, there's no Frankenstein's monster in the, in the space trilogy. Um, but there is, there are metaphors about sort of the process of sin. Um, so when he's sort of like, um, you know, scalpel, please make incision scissors, all these quick decisions. It takes a steady hand, curse my monster's sick demands. Like it could just be straight up. My monster's making demands. Or is it like the monster is sin? I don't know. Perhaps I'm overreading it but it seems sort of in keeping with some of the other, I don't know, some of the other elements here. Maybe it's just about Frankenstein. <laughs> Let me know what you think. <laughs> um, I, I think the last verse, it, there's the part where I feel like there's a, much to dissect, no, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, it's also thrilling when you're willing to fudge and fake to make a killing. Still, I want to tear it apart. Stop the beating of this hideous heart. Why do I abandon my endeavor to sever, to pick up the needle and sew it back together? Oh, yeah, it's right? never That's... ending. Can't you see? Just cut off the hand. It's offending me. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I wasn't off in my thinking it's a metaphor. No, there's definitely some metaphor going on in here. Um, cut off the other hand. That yeah. kind of stuff. Like, why do I abandon my endeavor to, to put it back together? Like, why do I turn away from trying to pick myself back up also shout out to uh stop yes. the beating of the hideous heart which is a edgar Allan poe reference right but i think the cut off this hand it's like if you know if your other hand causes you know if your hand causes you to sin right. you know cut it off you know yeah but it's uh, also about cutting hands off <laughs> so. exactly yeah it's cool this is where the horror as possible theology thing like really works for me i think it's i think it's yeah. really cool so I like it. Frankenstein. It rules. So great. Won't you be mine? Yeah. Who said that? <laughs> All right. Now on to our first werewolf song. Finally. Yes. I like that can't pay. I like that can't pay. I like that can't pay. I like it. They call me murder when I be. My number two. My number one. Yes. <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah. Such a burner. So fun. Yeah. The the 
the, those drums, the opening drums. Yeah, absolutely real. Yes. So good. I also like it. What a shout I like it. <laughs> I like like have to yeah. be. I like it. Um, yeah, <laughs> shouting along immediately with like some times going. I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I guess this is in my top three. Um, I, I just I'm so into the song. The ending is great, where there's like a bunch of different parts happening simultaneously. Uh, can we hear like later in the song? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love the like. Yeah, there's like multiple rhythms happening at the same time with the vocals yeah it all feels like so high energy um yeah i think it all rules uh yeah lyrically uh were you gonna say something else no no it's it's a again another one of those songs where it starts off you're like oh this is a song about werewolves (laughs) exactly and then it's like you gotta die die with jesus to know the resurrection (laughs) yeah this is where i'm saying like this is what I'm like. They don't feel that removed from the sort of deadlines mold uh, and stuff like this. Um, yeah, like you said, I was like, okay, cool. Just a straight ahead song about werewolves. <laughs> but then all of a sudden there's all this stuff about turning away from sin and dying with Jesus. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. Again, I'm like, I don't necessarily mind that as sort of a metaphor. Um, you know, I, 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 I like a spooky approach to theology. Um, but yeah, it does get pretty explicitly uh you know he's like 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 king nebuchadnezzar you got to turn your eyes to heaven um there's no way for new life to begin no unless you confess and turn away from your sin you got to die with jesus to know the resurrection you got to die 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 with jesus i don't know it's it's also it's like <laughs> then it goes straight into i like lycanthropy it's just like it's just silly enough and kind of like weird enough that i'm like whatever I, it's all fun to me if you want to use like a werewolf's transformation as like a metaphor for <laughs> dying to sin or new life like that that works for me i'm cool with it yeah um there's one part in the song i feel like i'm like uh i don't know what what they're trying to say but i have a sense of what mm-hmm. they're trying to say um the wolf man is back don't call it a curse sticker on my car read it and weep for the ones you love says equal rights for werewolves i really wanted to take that as face value and just be like it's just funny but i'm like i really hope this is <laughs> some sort of dig it's something that's gonna bum me out <laughs> right because the the song is like you know even though they're saying i like lycanthropy they're saying at the end of the song um the mysteriously missing third verse a chorus of redeemed ones shouts the truth in unison to the werewolf your throat is an open grave our lycanthrope hero responds in despair i know no other way to behave the redeemed ones keep shouting in love you must repent, you cursed wretch. The werewolf snarls in defiance. I'll not relent. Your flesh I'll fetch. Yeah. This stuff isn't actually in the song, as far as I can tell. Um, 
which is maybe why it says the mysteriously missing third verse or they they had written it and decided against it which i think was the right call but yeah clearly the metaphor there is like these werewolves are just sinners who won't stop sinning and we try to bring them jesus and they're just like no i want to keep being a werewolf um which makes me the part that's like the equal rights for werewolves makes me think like i know are we talking metaphor for lgbtq people or something like that yeah one would assume yeah that which which sucks and i truly hope that's not what this is yeah um but i don't know i don't know i think the theology is sort of conservative enough that maybe some of our bad suspicions is what's going on now yeah i counter all that yeah i mean it's just like when you say you know you if you think about it in the um like i'm no i'm a werewolf this is just who i am don't call it says don't call it murder when i feed it's just the nourishment i need i cannot curb this appetite or i'll disturb my natural plight so it's almost like this is who i am you can't call it murder when like this is part of yeah my natural being um i'm still part man i've got rights yeah i don't know the more you the more you probe at it the more it feels icky (laughs) (laughs) i know um i choose to i choose to enjoy the fact that he's saying i like like anthropy and just leave it at that but i guess it is sort of saying like you know these are sinners who revel they they just they just double down and they're i like living this way uh yeah I like being a turning against God. That's probably what's happening here. Um, I don't know. There's no werewolves in Paralandra (laughs) or the space trilogy. Yeah. So this is uh, purely a a monster creation of their own. Um, I think this is just, they have this mode of like using monsters as a metaphor for telling stories about God. Um, don't fully know how I feel about them, but I, I like monsters and I like exploring theology. So I guess I'm here for it. Well, you know what we're gonna do, John, for our horror punk band. We're mm. gonna we're gonna write a song about gay werewolves. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, gay werewolves for Jesus or whatever. Right. Yeah. What what can we make? Um power hungry evangelicals who've destroyed the world what monsters can we make them into in our horror punk songs um, <laughs> um the vampire I mean, metaphor is right there so well sure but i was thinking more like if we want to go with some of the obvious imagery that you know the former president used to talk about he talked about draining the swamp maybe mm. it could be like a swamp swamp creature i like that that's you know. good you think you drained the swamp, but you are just another swamp monster. Something like that. We'll We're get there. We're going to send you down to the depths of the swamp. I want to. I want to write songs where werewolves are the cool ones. All right. Yes. We're not using werewolves as a metaphor for bad things. All the monsters. All the monsters. Um, you know, all the cool monsters like werewolves and 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 Dracula and and Franken Frankenstein. You know, they're going to all be like, they're all going to be the badasses. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Anyway, um, <laughs> we're nearing the end of this record. Yeah. Uh, Tundra time on Thulkandra, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be on the hand rabbit. I want to be on the hand rabbit. I want to be on the hand rabbit. 
This is an honorable mention for me. Okay. I, I really like what they're doing on this song. I like the guitar sound a lot. Yeah. I think that's cool. Um, very steeped in uh, Out of the Silent Planet lyrics, Space Trilogy stuff here. Just kind of about that plot. Very Ramonesy. Very Ramonesy. Yep. Into it. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, lots of terms that I am unfamiliar with unless I'm <laughs> probably reading, you yeah, know, talking about the books. Right. Telus or Telus or whatever, Deep Heaven and uh, Tolkandra and Battle. I don't know what's happening, but <laughs> it sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, Venus at St. Anne's. We got more, more Venus action. Hmm. Ooh, yes. Everything in this song sounds amazing. That's great. The it's, drums it's, this sound is... amazing. The guitar sounds amazing. All the background vocals sound amazing. God. Yeah, I, I think this is probably my top five. Yes. Um, really fun energy, mostly an instrumental yes. that still somehow has a shout along part, which is great. Um, it, it slows down at the end, and there is one vocal part that's um, a quote, uh, a C.S. Lewis quote from uh what's the third book yeah so that that is from uh ransom in the third book <laughs> it's called that hideous strict um but yeah i i wanted to briefly not briefly. This episode is so long and I'm just making it longer, but I feel like I have to read this quote because I'm just like trying to make sense of this. So this quote that he says in the song, the full passage here I have, it says, 
When I was a youngster, all the progressive people were saying, why all this prudery? Let us treat sex just as we treat all our other impulses. I was simple-minded enough to believe that they meant what they said. I have since discovered that they meant exactly the opposite. They meant that sex was to be treated as no other impulse in our nature has ever been treated by civilized people. All the others we admit have to be bridled. Absolute obedience to your instinct for self-preservation is what we call cowardice, blah, blah, blah. Um, Every unkindness and breach of faith seems to be condoned, provided that the object aimed at its four bare legs in a bed. It's like having a morality in which stealing fruit is considered wrong unless you steal nectarines. And if you protest against this view, you're usually met with chatter about the legitimacy and beauty and sanctity of quote unquote sex and accused of harboring some Puritan prejudice against it as something disreputable or shameful. I deny the charge. And this is the part that's in the song. Foam born Venus, golden Aphrodite, our lady of Cyprus, I never breathe the word against you. If I object to boys who steal my nectarines, must I be supposed to disapprove of nectarines in general or even of boys in general? It might, you know, be stealing that I disapprove of. I include all that to say, I think the point of that passage in the book is to basically be like, oh, like this is the downfall of society, like societies that say like, it's okay to have sex because <laughs> he's basically being like, well, we don't give in to all our other disgusting impulses. We keep a handle on them. And you're saying that we should just let sex go. And he's like, don't say that. Like, I have a problem with sex. I have a problem with the way that you, that you society hit, are using sex. I think that's sort of what it is. So I just like find it odd that that's <laughs> obviously it's in the book and they're exploring the book, but it's like to have that be the sort of like one vocal part that's included in the song is just kind of a strange choice. It just yeah. kind of doubles down on the like this guy being like a progressive culture. They call me a prude, but like anyway, it's just I just wanted to read that for context. You know what? Yeah, we should be able to have sex if we want. What? Yeah. <laughs> you sound you sound like one of those scientists, Andrew. Have you know, forgotten one the those, Lord? One of those godless scientists. What's just next? Like, What's, I'm just going to be one of those gay werewolves next. I guess so. <laughs> equal rights for werewolves. Yeah, I do right. want to put an equal rights for werewolves car bumper sticker on my car. Oh uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get. Let's get some Magpod Magpod equal rights for werewolves bumper <laughs> that's, stickers. That's pretty good. All right, let's do it. We're doing. It. We're unequivocally doing it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> equal rights. I don't want people to think like we're making fun of other rights. No, I know it's kind of tricky. <laughs> but, right here. But, but even still, uh, deep cut. Uh, equal rights for werewolves. Uh, all right, beehive, behave, baby. Every, every, nobody's made an Austin Powers joke in the last 20 years, so here we go. Fun. Yeah. It seems to me some sort of um, you're uh, maybe like a slave to the system or something like that. Yeah, I think I Queen mean, he Bee says, says uh, you know, a Queen Bee says, King me, baby, her royal monstrosity hovers above me. I suffer the sting. Beware. And then those worker bees buzz, buzz, buzz. No one knows why. It's just because beehive behave. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in the books about sort of like this hive mind we're entering this sort of like collective 
conscience and they're sort of like what about the individual like we're giving ourselves up to just join this like next evolution where we're all just like one spirit or whatever i think that's what's sort of happening here i mean he says hive mind is hope for mankind flesh begets flesh um having said that really fast really fun (laughs) great old school punk sound um yeah that's how i feel about most of these songs which is why i was saying i was like overwhelmed by it just because i'm like musically i love every song lyrically most songs i'm kind of like okay <laughs> like working through it trying to understand it and understand my response to it but super fun regardless yep um should we conclude this episode with baby unvamp <laughs> is making a comeback we should the the seven and a half minute <laughs> epic it's an opus it's an opus This is the most Ramon song on this record. It is. Perhaps that's why it's my number three. Okay. <laughs> I feel a little, I feel unconfident about making it number three. Um, but very Ramonesy vibe. Um, I, I like that, that 50s style sound. I just find that pretty irresistible. However, once again, nothing that we heard there is the reason why it's my number three. Um, could we go to like three and a half minutes or so into the song? Yeah. That's what I find. I just find that irresistible where there's like yeah. multiple shouty gang vogue things going on. I feel like it's doing what they do best sort of distilled in that part where it's like, he's like alive, we're dead, like theatrical. But then there's also like, I, I, I. like yeah. I just, it's yeah. great. Now this one has some tough lyrics as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think basically the metaphor is like, we were all once these sinners and he's using women here specifically in this metaphor. Um, and now, you know, we're, we're reborn as vampires slash alive in Christ. Now we're dead to our sin, but he equates sinners to baby vampires, 
but also sluts and whores <laughs> like he says that verbatim um you know i, I don't know I, I i'm I, I guess i'm here for the general metaphor but when he's like all we little unvamps once we're sluts we're whores we're tramps but now we are the bride of jesus christ um having said that when he's like alive in christ we're dead i just think it's really cool um you know there's a lot going on i this is a uh, similar to the closer from the last album and that it's sort of like a multi-part opus again it goes on for quite a while but i just like i can't resist i like those harmonies it's misfitsy it's ramonesy there's like that cool call and response gang vocal quality i i, I feel like it's a good bookend to the opening that felt similar with that like gang vocal call and response thing so i'm sort of tentatively putting it as my number three <laughs> yeah the uh she's growing she's teething and one day she'll bite you till you're dead it's kind of a bummer <laughs> yeah i mean again i'm sort of like there's so many metaphors going on i, I don't know who's biting who exactly we're the baby unvamps right i don't know yeah i don't i don't like the idea of like comparing it's like so they're so they're sluts and whores but they're they're babies and teething yeah. it's weird it's weird there's like, a lot going on it's just kind of mixing metaphors here so like they're they're slut babies is that what you're saying i don't know yeah just a little little slut babies um as <laughs> that's i our, that's our sophomore album yeah that's our other bumper sticker <laughs> line justice for, justice for slut babies <laughs> um this is like what i do with every song though where i'm like getting into the minutiae and then i pull back and i'm like but it's called baby unvamp <laughs> i'm like that's that, that rules pretty much so um yeah and then even the hidden track has like five different things in it. yeah there's a there's a voicemail about t-shirts there's like yeah. a monster singing uh there's some like contentious talk during a band practice yeah uh harmonize synthy macrobes <laughs> You know what this, this is, sounds that's some, like? That's some Reese Roper. Exactly. <laughs> Fucking shit. <laughs> oh, God man. damn it. Sounds exactly like the slowed down Reese. Yeah. <laughs> um, the best. There's gunshots that end the whole thing. There's so much going on. They're like mad at each other. What's that to you? I'm just how pointless it is. Okay, yeah perhaps the brothers arguing um we have to push past three hours at this point probably i don't know or we're close to it at least but i, I there's just so much here to unpack i'm so happy to know about this band i have many complex feelings about this band but honestly like musically creatively they're one of my favorite bands we've ever talked about um so it's a i have just a lot of feelings <laughs> there i want to know what what everybody's feelings are yeah there are there's a lot 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 going on yeah and there's a lot to enjoy a lot to love a lot to be endlessly impressed yeah over and then also a handful of things that are you know, you squint at, you're just, and right. you're like, um, hmm. so yeah. is this them? Is this C.S. Lewis? Is right. this, 
Is this the like toxic culture that all the bands we've covered have been a part of that occasionally we need to yeah, unpack? I, yes. I mean, there's probably there's probably a, a sprinkling of a lot of things, but yes, uh, there's a lot. There's still plenty to love in this. Totally. Super, super fun to go through. I think this kind of like epitomizes why we wanted to do this little fun off, fun one off month uh, where we get into this stuff because it's like, the horror, the horror punk Christian genre is one worth worth talking about. And if you're going to do it, yeah. talking about a band as uh, successful as Blaster is, is, is something we need to do. So yeah, very curious about people's thoughts on this one. You can let us know what you think at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and give us a rating or review. We will read your Apple podcast review on the show. We need some more of those. We haven't done that in a while. Email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763-8727-MAGPOD. You can support us at the Patreon, patreon.com slash magnifiedpod, where we'll have some cool bonus content coming soon. You can also pick up some of that sweet aforementioned limited run merch. Get that magnifiedpod pod merch over at magnifiedpod.storeenvy.com. Some cool Mugs, stuff over there. Shirts, hoodies, posters, water bottles, posters can all be yours. And then we'll, Ouija boards. Can we get some Ouija boards? We'll get some equal rights for werewolves. <laughs> I kind of, yeah. I mean, I'd like that somewhere in my house, I think. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, thanks to Danny Leary for that artwork. And thanks to Shadow Producer Jason at Unoriginal Vinyl. Well, our time in the pine box is over for this week, boils and ghouls. We'll be back out of the grave next week when we'll discuss grave robbers. You're all gonna die. I like that can't pay. I like that can't pay. I like that. I like it. So call me murder when I be For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.